Hey, folks, sorry about last week. Lo siento. We addressed it on this show, but last week went up late. Probably the latest show to ever go to air in the history of Did we get any complaints? Uh, Banks around 3 o'clock was like, hey, what's up? (laughs) You know what that means. I'm like, dude, I'm at my house right now uh, having a one-on-one with a roofing inspector because my fucking garage is taking on water from all the fucking Georgia rain because apparently we live in Seattle now. Won't say the name, but Banks has got a date. And with quite a lovely woman. I haven't seen photos, but he told me about this. Did you hear the name? Yes. I'll tell you off pod, but it sounds like a really rich person. I did hear the name, and he told me this too, and he said that's what's funny is that she's not, but she, it sounds that way. It's, she's, she's a very lofty name. Yeah, she does. Very hot. Like, Good luck like, with that, Banks. Like Lord Hemingway Third, <laughs> But a lady. I don't know, but I just found the name for my child. Lord Hemingway Third, Martin. <laughs> Steve. 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 Lord Hemingway the Third. Steve. Steve. Martin. Martin. That sounds like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and in Panic 7, here comes Lord Hemingway the Third. Steve Martin. <laughs> He's down the stretch. Here he comes. The <laughs> right, 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 is, I've got a high five. I've got a high five is, oh, what a lucky shot. Oh, what a lucky shot. Tell him Lord Hemingway the Third. Steve Martin. And here comes the bullseye. From Toy Story 3, no doubt. And here comes Luke Perry down the back stretch. You'll get into more of that later. <laughs> R.I.P. Here comes Luke Perry down the same week that the singer from Prodigy died. <laughs> that is one long Here comes thing. Breathe the Pressure. Don't play the game. I'll test you. He's down the inside and he always broken down. Brody <laughs> <laughs> Stevens committed suicide. Possibly <laughs> <laughs> Here comes him. Robin Williams auto asphyxiation. He's in the inside. Coming up. He loses by a nose to David Carradine's swollen balls. Oh, what a race, folks. <laughs> We should become, we should make it a personal goal. Amy Winehouse going back to, <laughs> oh, fuck that Philip Seymour Hoffman's heroin addiction. <laughs> Passing Jim Gandalf's heart attack. We have to own a horse. We have like, to own a we horse. We should make it our life's goal now to become so filthy rich <laughs> that we can just buy horses and name them after famous celebrity deaths. <laughs> Amy Winehouse's 27th trip to rehab is coming down the stretch. Here she is. And she quit it again. She just stopped running. She's not even hurt. <laughs> oh, the most ridiculous horse name. The good, the, brother, the good Phoenix brother is dead. The good Phoenix brother is dead. Passing James Gill of Phoenix. I wish we hadn't been stuck with cussless Phoenixes coming down the backstretch. Jeff Conway finally died. Jeff Conway finally died in the fame. Dr. Drew couldn't save him, and the horse is going to win, and Jeff Conway finally died. First place. <laughs> Fuck you, River Phoenix, for dying. Here he comes. Corey Hayden, not Corey Hayden. Corey Hayden, not Corey That's it. That's the horse. Corey Hayden, not Corey Feldman. Oh, God. And then we have to get the horse in the race, and we do our own broadcast <laughs> with that voice. <laughs> oh, Here comes Corey Haim, not Corey Feldman. <laughs> and he's just been violated by Michael Jackson's white penis. <laughs> oh, Lord, the show. Uh, we need to make it a project between now and next week to write down as many horse names modeled after famous celebrity deaths. <laughs> Bill Paxton, I respect you, Bill Paxton's heart surgery. Bill Paxton's heart surgery gone wrong. Here he is. He's in the... 
84th running of the Kentucky Derby. We're not proud to say this, but two asshole owners of one of the horses. They bought all the they horses. Bought all the horses. <laughs> celebrity deaths. Chris Farley's untimely death, followed by John Belushi's untimely death. John Belushi's untimely death, followed by Bill Paxton's untimely death. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what you people don't know. And then one is that the is intro named, is the highlight of the show. One of them is just named Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Shirley Temple. And people are, wait. No, no, just Shirley Temple. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. Here comes Elvis Presley shitting on the toilet. <laughs> and I don't mean his Elvis Presley shitting on the toilet. That's the horse's name. Elvis Presley dying on the toilet. <sighs> Oh my god, my sides hurt. And John Wayne full of poop. Here he is! <laughs> oh shit! On the inside track is Kurt Cobain. I promise you, Courtney Love did it! <laughs> oh fuck me. bad for the peeps that are, the seven people that'll listen to this because this was the mountaintop it's all downhill for me now i'm struggling to think of who else died oh there's so many that's the best part about our weekly assignment so many here comes christopher reeves who fell off his horse ironically I want the expected death. We have a lot of, you know, unexpected deaths. Who died? And you're like, yeah, that makes some sense. Alan Thick? Oh my God, did they say Alan Thick? <laughs> well, anyways. George H.W. Bush, it was time. It's coming down the maestro. <laughs> it was time. Nancy Reagan, nobody's said. Nancy Reagan, nobody's said. <laughs> we gotta stop. All right, stop. I think we're cutting into some of the stuff we can use later. But I love the idea of doing a full, you know, because those races only last like a minute and a half. Yeah. But doing a full, well, yeah, if, if we, we can make it happen and script it, if like we, we did with the with, yeah. with the Kegel yeah. and, and the Blumpkin. If we script like 90 seconds of celebrity death named horses <laughs> and we and we keep repeating them because what they're neck and neck and now you know fucking uh chris farley died uh from a drug overdose takes the lead chris farley been up for 27 hours he's in the inside <laughs> chris farley died of an overdose pulling out of john belushi died of an overdose <laughs> I don't know what happened to Doug Kenny pulling into third. 
Spencer. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed. Pancreatic cancer followed by. Uh, Holy shit, JFK's head just exploded. He's pulling ahead. He's pulling away and he's been shot. Is <laughs> the, the famous comedian from Rodney Dangerfield's era that also had pancreatic Bill something? Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks, yeah. Patrick Tracy had pancreatic cancer followed by Bill Hicks had pancreatic cancer. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. What was the woman? Oh, fuck. What's the Joe woman? Radner? No, no, no. She's blonde hair. She's an actress. She died of butthole cancer. Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett's butthole is eating her away. Just leave it at that. <laughs> just, just one random horse name. <laughs> oh, and Anton Yeltsin crushed my And Joseph Stalin has died of a heart attack. His hair. Oh, just endless. This was what endless. Was it, what was the young actor? It was an Anton Yeltsin. He was crushed by his own jeep a couple of years ago. Know. The, he's the guy from the Star Trek movies. He's the Kennedys guy. killed Marilyn. Is pulling ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Tupac was just killed by someone random, and it wasn't a conspiracy. Here he is. Oh God. Well, I guess we just say hollow. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with the episode. We stumbled into this <laughs> nonsense, and the episode has nothing to, to do. To be with fair, this. I I literally could be in movies doing that voice as a as a hoist <laughs> a hoist. As a horse race commentator, sure. exactly what it sounds like. What was what was Ted Kennedy, the Chappaquiddick, <laughs> the Chappaquiddick victim? We don't know her name. We don't know her name. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, I just thought it was a little too dark. I'll pull it back. Here comes the Cole Brown, Sensen, and Ron Goldman, and they're coming down. Oh, they definitely did it. Oh, there they are. <laughs> OJ definitely killed those two. Oh, God. And Stone's penis falls into the lead. <laughs> I know who named these horses. I know who named these horses. I listen to their podcast. And here comes Rodney Reed's butthole. <laughs> Follow the Chinese calligraphy to Rodney Reed's butthole. Oh, my God. Definitely with Chocolate Task has pulled ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. These guys got rich. I know exactly what happened. <laughs> Kenny from Redicating, put that shit on my chest, brother Lee! <laughs> Where's the S&P, bud? Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> it's 11 minutes now. We have to stop. <laughs> this is episode 15. I want an intro now. Just consider it content. We can make this bonus content. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an well, intro. We release this Just have a good time. Think about celebrity deaths and send us some that you think would be great horse yeah, names. I mean, we briefly touched on Luke Perry, and by way of that, in the body of the episode, we actually got this ridiculous nonsense for the first 12 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> so enjoy episode 53. It's nothing like what you've just heard, and that's where we're <laughs> Now we're both going to go home and look up celebrity deaths. <laughs> Like just, I, no, I 100% was just thinking, I this is going to be a night where we should both be in bed, getting ready for a standard Wednesday, and at 12.30, I, you're going to send me one that's going to make me have to get out of my bed. Mama Cass is ham <laughs> Did Jimmy Hendrix really shoot it into his temple? There it goes! <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, I just, Jim, just, I'm seeing them all now. <laughs> Jim Morrison! Jim Morrison in the bathroom tub! In Paris! Here he comes! Kirk Douglas is still alive! Kirk Douglas is still alive! <laughs> <laughs> There's no goddamn way Kirk Douglas should still be alive! Here he is! <laughs> Spartacus lives! Oh! Alright, just, just holla. Just holla. See you next week, folks. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Dildo Mayhem. That's right, folks. All weekend long at AdamandEve.com, it's Dildo Mayhem. We're slashing prices on all the dills. White dill, black dill, brown dill, pink dills. It's Dildo Mayhem. Mayhem. Use promo code TPTOPOD at checkout. Receive 50% off any one item. Free, free films. And a free mystery gift. And guess what? You also get free shipping because out of here, Dildo Mayhem! Episode 1, Season 2, this pod <laughs> thing of ours, brought to you by Adam and Omaha Steaks. And we haven't done a shout-out for Adam and Eve in a minute. Yeah, they barely even made the commercial for episode 52. Because I... We're more Baldino's sponsors at this point. That's true. Baldino's. But I just to say, that that was the best I've had of the Baldino's. I got a... The Sicilian's great. Mm. The hot Italian, uh, Italian is what we were getting last month. You knew that, right? That wasn't a Sicilian? Mm. Huh. I've had the Sicilian. I don't believe so. The Sicilian is the number 17. The hot Italian is like a 28, and you can't ever find it on the board. Hmm. That was what was on special. Well, I went with the uh, Italian Battalion. That's the double everything. Well, they say that, but I got the feeling I, I might not have gotten the double everything. It was still enough to eat, but it has ham, capicola, prosciutto, and pepperoni. And provolone. And provolone. Lettuce, tomato. And all the goodies, yeah. Allegedly, they double everything. That was the best I've had so far. And that says a lot, because I've had some... Some real sandwiches from old Baldino's. We're not <coughs> going to be able to record next Tuesday because I have a homeowners association meeting. Ooh. Assuming they let me in. Do I'm yours get on, as spicy as mine do? I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming they let me in. I'm behind on my dues by a month, so they may not. <laughs> I don't think they can keep you out because you're in arrears for a month. These cocksuckers, they raise the dues like every uh, 15 months, and every time they get asked why, they say, oh, we need to up the reserve. It's like, that's it? That's all you're going to give us? And then when people complain about speeders, like speeding through the neighborhood, they say, oh, well, let's put that to a vote. And I pissed one of them off a couple of months ago. I said, so taking more money from us every month, that doesn't require a vote. You guys can just decide that. But if uh, the community's pissed off about speeders in the neighborhood and wants to have something done about it, we can't, we can't just make a decision there. I made one of them mad on Facebook. I was like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, take more money from my pocket. You don't need my say in that. Uh, slow down speeders so one of our kids doesn't get run over. Well, we got to put that to a vote. <laughs> well, that's not how it works. And then I was like, yeah, no, I get it. You guys have, uh, you guys have unilateral power here. Yeah, yeah, you have unchecked power to take more money from us for the reserve, but uh, you, you can't do anything about people speeding through the neighborhood. I will say that's like the one thing, like, because we've been dealing with HOA bullshit for so long now that. Uh, it's just like, you imagine the, the day and time. It makes you yearn, not for the simpler days, mm-hmm. where you die at 30 from cholera, but like, 
a time when you built your house, right? Yeah. You lived in a town or you lived in the country and you weren't beholden to some group of other similar homeowners near you. Yeah. That shared some kind of like co-op mindset. Yeah. Their co-op was like real. Like, hey, I have this farm. If you'd like to uh, come plant some things with me, hmm. we can share that. Yada, yada, yada. Now yeah. it's like this shit we argue over. And I can appreciate the principle of an <laughs> HOA. The whole like, hey, we're all, we all own this stuff now. And eventually we all want to sell it. And if your house looks like a junkyard dog's, like, haven, it's going to be very hard for me to sell mine. If yours looks like where Zeus and the wrestling happens from yeah. now famous, you know, no holds barred. Yeah, if, if, you're, if your home looks like... The Battle like of the Champions or whatever. Battle of the Tough Guys. Battle of the Tough Guys. If your home looks like it could have hosted an episode of Battle of the Tough Guys, it's going to make it hard for me to sell mine. So... You know, I, I appreciate the principle of it where somebody said, let's just lay down a few ground rules. Like, you know, keep your grass cut and keep your keep appearances up. What you do on the inside, if it's a meth lab crawling with, you know, pit bulls, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But on the outside, let's at least... Yeah, just cut the yard. Yeah. Yeah. Not my HOA. They're just like, eh, we, we got our hand in everything. <laughs> and the people that are on it, like, you can tell, like, half of them are probably retired old people, and this is the closest to politics they'll ever get. Well, so, it's the closest they'll get to politics that's action in their lives. Yeah. They have a, a perception. Like, they vote for someone, you know, way well, I'm up. Talking, well, I'm talking about the board. Like, people who... The, no, the, I'm, we're on the same level. The five dickheads making the decisions. Our board, by the way, is a fucking Trump White House revolving door. People are just constantly dropping off. It's just like yeah. Leah's, Leah's on our board. She uh, she actually made a power move to get the president out. Very proud of her. This guy, mm. this guy had been in the she office. Like Claire Underwood, him, huh? Yeah, she. <clears throat> the guy had been there for twenty years. Total asshole. I mean, there's been in my almost eight years of living there. She's he's made her cry before, just mm. being a complete fucking douche. Is he an old man? Yeah. yeah. And he looks like the hunchback in Notre Dame. He's got this awful hump and he walks like this. So this HOA board might have been all this man had. It's it's all he had. I, I actually told her when, <laughs> when she pulled this power move to get this, I mean, no, a handful of people liked him. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was like no shade of gray. Either you were like, okay with Bill or you fucking hated Bill. Yeah. There was, and because he had said some smart ass shit or talked down to you and treated the whole thing like it was this was his empire which is exactly what he had been doing yeah. I, I'd seen the meetings so, I'd heard the things he said nobody in the community was like oh Bill love Bill <laughs> nobody fell into that category. there was there was like a handful of people that like Bill's good and then there's many more like I wouldn't piss on this dude if he was on fire That's when you and I don't care get... about his back I don't care about his oldness and his yeah. discrepancy yeah, 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 or yeah, his decrepit I get it don't I don't care. even think he is but he literally, he has Donald Trump socks, he wears them, he's got a little hair on the top, he's like, mm. this is that's his dude. And he he tried to, I mean, he'd been running it like that, he he was like the precedent, not the president, yeah. the precedent. He touched on this. Yes, for, for what came later, but she pulled a power move on him, and it was wonderful, and I told her, I was like, so proud, the community's gonna, it's already so much better, mm. it really is, it's like this dark cloud's been removed, and, uh. But I was telling him he'll be dead in a year because this was like the thing. That's what he had to live for, right? You know, old people that retire and die immediately. Yeah. Now I've I've thrown enough shade around on our HOA Facebook page to where I I get likes from a few like the same consistent people, and I I'm like waiting for that. Hey, why don't you? 
no. Yeah, we can. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Because, like, I'm asking questions, like, publicly, the kind that frustrate the board that most people would, like, ask in a private message. Like, whenever they come back with, oh, we're raising dues for the reserves, I say, well, when's the last time you did a reserve study? Right. And then there's a there's a delay. Like, well, we conducted one 18 months ago. Like, okay, well, when's the last time the Treasury was audited by a third party? Right. right. Uh, uh, yeah, nothing. Do you know how much is it? Not to people are loving this conversation. <laughs> this is hot shit. By the way, we're it's watching like, Jumanji, <laughs> so this is very much related to the topic at hand. Well, I I, I guess I let off with this uh, subject matter because the pod went up so late today because I was at home uh, visiting with a roofing contractor because I have a hole in my roof that is just hemorrhaging water into my garage and leaking all over the place whenever it rains. Oh. Yeah, you told us this. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still trying to really suss out the upside to being a homeowner. Because <laughs> because it. it hasn't. It's just. I feel like every. I don't know. Maybe once a quarter, there's something that happens that forces me to hemorrhage money I don't even have. And no, they say that this is like a dying thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. They well, say that, I, and I'm not going to use yeah. the M word. I'm not going to say. It, well, I'll say it for oh, millennials. millennials. Yeah, but they. There, I mean, it's clearly becoming the norm to rent. To rent. Yeah. And now Leah will say how foolish that is because she's trying to sell you a home, and she's yeah. not wrong in some sense. And look, it's like yeah. it's like a car guy, mm-hmm. right? That'll tell you you should never lease. Clark Howard here in Atlanta, long always said never lease a car. It's just money down the drain. Yeah. My old man's been in that business for years, and he's like, and okay, to the yeah, to, to one person, yeah, yeah, they shouldn't lease a car. To another. Who doesn't want to be strapped into that car? And if you wreck it, it's all on you. If not you to mention it depreciates a fuckload the minute you drive off the right. lot. You're not cars aren't an investment. No, you're, you're not buying a Chevy Bel Air from the fifties. <laughs> you're not buying Paul Newman's race car that someone's going to want to pay you know four million dollars for in the next ten years. You're buying a you're buying a Lincoln. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna drop in value the minute you leave the lot. Every wealthy person I've ever talked to about cars says, "Of course you lease." It's a non-investment. Yeah. It loses value the minute you buy it. Yeah, and you're, it's like make three years of payments, enjoy the vehicle, not have any responsibility if yeah. you fucking wreck it, Yeah, and get out of the car. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the rent is throwing your money away speech. My dad's giving it to me. My people, The people that helped me buy the home, everybody that's in the home buying business and people of a certain generation and up all say buy a home. It's, more, it's like when I think about it, it's like my payments year to year, are variable because the mm. government could come in one day and say, "Ah, oh, we've decided your property's worth more than it was last year, so your property insurance is, or property taxes are going up. So uh, if you divide that over twelve months, your payments are going up a hundred dollars next year." And I have no, I have no recourse there. I can try and fight them on the value, but then I'm, I'm actively trying to <laughs> tell someone my property is not worth as much right. as they say it is. Look, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Add, you know, add to that, like, water heaters busted, my problem. HVAC caught on fire, my problem. Roof's got a hole in it, my problem. You know, problem. if you want to lower the value, we, random swastikas can start appearing all over the home. <laughs> say you're being you're being harassed you go, for your Facebook views. You go to the government, you say, it'd be a shame if this property of mine were to suddenly have swastikas and S-bolts all over the side of it. They like, try and mob hustle them down to, to lower your property value. <laughs> But yeah. It was just like, you know, to this, this what I'm dealing with now is a perfect example. It's like, if I was a renter, I would not be dealing with this. And the thing I remember from renting is every year you get to negotiate your new lease agreement. Yeah. You don't get that with a mortgage. 
it's going up because shit's going up. It's yeah. like my income didn't go up. I'm like, well, that's not our problem. We're the government. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> and I think the reason that millennials aren't buying homes is because they can't fucking afford them. I, the place that I get my hair cut is kind of where I used to live, and I asked the girl that cuts my hair, and I said, what's rent like in this part of the city now? Because when I lived here, the last time I paid rent, it was seven fifty a month for a two-bedroom old apartment, but a two-bedroom apartment. And she said, oh, yeah, two-bedroom uh, in this stretch of town, 1200 to start, 18 tops. Mm. It's like, there's no, <laughs> it's like, there's no argument either way now, because mm-hmm. that's, it's like, when I bought the home, it made sense. Now, it's like, I pay less in a mortgage than I would in rent if I wanted yeah. to move back to this area. So it's like, who, who, I'll say this, who I'll, are these I'll people watch that, with the uh, jobs that can afford $2,000 a month in rent? They're out there. You can't classify everyone into one group, but... Um, That's what I like to do, though. I know. It's because it's fun and, you know... <laughs> I like to make broad generalizations. Broad generalizations. I watched that... Uh, I guess we'll give him something here. We're in the part of Jumanji where he's about to start playing the game. <laughs> and that's that. So, uh, I watched that free solo last night about Alex Hunnell climbing El Cap. Are you familiar? No. It won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. Alex Hunnell is this guy that does what they call free soloing. He climbs the world's hardest climbs without a rope. It's the most dangerous thing in the world. I mean, clearly. But no one had ever done El Cap, but he did it. Spoiler alert! I knew he was going to live because I saw him at the Oscars when they won the award. Mm. But they're uh, going to make a movie. I know they made a documentary. Will they make like a Everest or Vertical Limit type movie? About I don't those? think so. The documentary kind of does enough, and he's not much of like a compelling character. He's kind of a gruff, psychologically blocked would be a good word. Mm. Um, but no, he's this young guy. I think he's maybe our age, slightly maybe your age, maybe slightly. Plus, plus one or two years older or younger. I don't know. But, you know, he struggles with girlfriends because this guy free solos rocks. I mean, you're one... So like a little Asperger-y? He does have... A, and that's what they said in the show. His dad, they were like, if you, if we knew what we knew now, it, it would be a fair assessment that his dad was a mild case of Asperger's. He was only happy when we were traveling. Mm. So, like, when we were complacent and at home, he was just not there. Mm. He would go through these weird phases. But that's not where I'm getting at. What I was getting at was, here's this young guy. Now, he likes to go free solo on rocks and drive around the, the country doing so. So he's been living in this awesome-ass van for, like, seven years. Mm. since two, Or longer, since 2008. Like, like, genuinely awesome or, like, ironically awesome? No, I mean, it's not like a, it's not like the it's like fucking... What's that van from the Scooby-Doo? I mean, it's not mm. like it's, like... Ridiculous! It's well, just a like white panel like Starship van. Troopers of vans, like people say, it's cool when it's not. See, now you're getting personal. <laughs> I suggested Starship Troopers, and Superfan Allen was very about it. I know. And now I'm gonna have to, uh, Superfan Allen. Just know that I pushed. It's not available. I didn't. We, he didn't even look, Alan. He didn't even look. <laughs> he just looked at two platforms and said, "No, it sucks." Because it's a stupid movie. So now we're gonna just stare at Jumanji and wait for Robin Williams to get on the screen before we even start having fun with this movie. And a very young Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. So we can't do the Kirsten Dunst lusty stuff because she's like twelve in this. Not that that's ever stopped us before. <laughs> yeah, I would like to reference you to Thora Birch. <laughs> Fuck, damn it. With that, you kind of egged that on. I didn't. No. I wasn't talking no. about that 
Thora, I think we do need to go back. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't referencing the 12... I even said American Beauty Thora. Older. Stop it. I'm not digging any holes here. I wasn't lusting after a fucking... How, how old Why did I go back to Parkinson's? How old was... We looked it up. She was like 14 in that movie or something. No, she was 12. Okay, 12. I think she Sorry. was 12 playing 14. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, there is a very young Kirsten Dunst who personally I don't find to be that attractive. But back to what I was saying... She doesn't have big tits, does she? Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's come back to that in one second. This fan was just the, what do you call it when something's just like, uh, I, I'm missing words today. It's been a very long day. Like, um, it's functional. There's nothing about it that's, like, over the top. It's just straightforward. Streamlined? Streamlined is a good word. I mean, it, the only thing the man doesn't have in there is a shower. He's got a, he's got a stove. Toilet? Yeah. No, but he goes to places. He's traveling to these places. You can find a toilet. He could have done the Dave Stone toilet. Dave Stone used a milk crate with, with a hole cut out. Because Dave Stone lived out of a van for the majority of the time he was in L.A. LA before yeah. he had the girlfriend he has now. I've fallen off of the Boogie Monster. I haven't listened in a while, but he had like a, I think he had like a milk crate and or like one of those five-gallon buckets and like a padded seat that he had rigged. He had like a whole living out of a van Down lifestyle. By the river, yeah, and he, he could do it well and... He's, but I, I'm just saying, I ask myself, and it gets back to what we were saying, that as, these, as the younger generations are looking at home ownership differently. And I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a one-off situation myself. We own our home. So the only thing we pay for is kind of, when I tell people what we pay in HOA, I have to remind them I'm in, I'm in technically in the city, mm-hmm. even though it's on the, right on the edge. It's a very affluent community. When I tell mm-hmm. people I live in Bindings, they're like, they, they, this perception. And I'm like, eh, slow your roll. They're... There are some million-dollar houses less... I mean, Tyler Perry lived four minutes from me when he owned this giant mansion until God gave it to a preacher. Tyler Perry, please subscribe. <laughs> we could really use some of that handout money you like to give random people. Seriously. Uh, but, I, you know, we own our home. But when we tell people what I pay in HOA, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, but think about it. That's all we pay. Yeah. And utilities. Yeah, but even that, I mean, it's gone up a little bit because we got you know house guests now. But that's, you know... It's AC bill's got to be high in the summertime. Uh, well, you know, we did. We went with that European system that I think I've talked about on here. Have I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not as bad as having a, a big unit that's wasting a bunch of air. We, we can have one on upstairs if that's where we are. If we're downstairs, we have that one on. So, I mean, you don't, you don't use an exorbitant amount of... You're not cooling every room in the house. Right. We cool where we are. So, it, even though it's a more expensive system, mm-hmm. I would recommend it. I did get kind of fucked on that deal because it's like, can you be on it for? Because I'm meeting the the HVAC guy, and I was like, sure, nice guy, clean mm-hmm. cut, young dude. I put him at like 25, but very good, very good salesman, very good at his job. Mm-hmm. But he's like, look, I mean, we could replace the outdoor units; it'd be ten thousand dollars. But this place is pretty old, and you're losing a lot of air through these pipes. For every, for every dollar you're spending, you're losing forty cents. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. How many units did you have two? Yeah. Oh. And he, and. It's still high. It is very high. I replaced an entire system for $3,500. Yeah, I mean, you can, but he was talking about putting in, like, he was like, these will last you 20-some-odd years. We will provide all the warranties. So he upselled you on stuff that you knew you weren't going to buy, and then he backdoored you with a European Then he took the hard right, yeah, (laughs) and he's like, but we can also install this type of unit. This is the new age. This was kind of what the European model is, and I had seen it before. He's like, yeah. This way, you're not wasting. If you're in one room, you're, you know, if you're like I said, if you're upstairs, you yeah. cool the upstairs. If you're downstairs, you cool the downstairs. You're not running units it's like constantly. A, it's like a better window unit without a window. 
His thing, the, I knew I was fucked with Leah when he said green. <clears throat> it's, it's a greener system. It yeah. uses less power. You're not wasting money. Yeah. He, he's like, I was like, how much is it? He's like, 15,000. <sighs> he's like, but it's going to last much longer and you'll save much more money over the yeah. long haul. And I looked over at Leah and I was like, I know we're done. Because she's the worst, by the way, worst person to go for a car purchase, yeah. to buy something large for the home. I could put you in this perfectly sensible model. <laughs> and we actually have lots of rebates and, de- and dealer incentives on it. Or, or put you in this new kind of Hummer. <laughs> it's green technology, runs on water, and it's a million dollars. But we want that one. We want that one. But you'll save 500000 over the course of 25 years. And that's how long it's going to take you to pay this off. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the Hummer thing. <clears throat> now, my my only objection to that system, because that's actually the kind, your system is identical to the one um, at the house we stay in when we go to Kristen's family's hometown in Plattsburgh, New York. But you have terrible memories of that place, well, right? Well, the, the, the thing is, is they have warm days for like six weeks out of the year, and then it's just Canada cold because it's on the border of Canada. Right. So, you know, they have a few of those scattered throughout the house, and so... The, the people who are local there, they, they really enjoy that six weeks of warm weather. So it doesn't bother them that their home is warm. Me, I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, this is a bit of an issue. The bedroom we're staying in is somewhat cool. The rest of the house uh, feels like a corner of hell. <laughs> you know, and my, my whole thing is I want to cool the whole property. I want to know that when I leave the living room for the night and go to the bedroom to sleep, that it's already cool for me. Right. I don't want the... What time is it? All right, well, if I go turn the thing on now, it should be somewhat cool in there in the next half hour, and then I can go upstairs and not be miserable. I don't want to take you off track here, but because we're on that level, it's a little warm in here. We can turn the thing on. Do we have to wait for the patriarch to leave so he doesn't get mad? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I can handle it right now, but when you when I, when we're talking about such an exciting topic as our HVAC needs, yeah. and then you well, start like, to feel the the kind of general heat in this room right yeah. now, it's like when you're in the throes of a nicotine addiction, and someone starts talking about cigarettes, and you've been really good about not having one for weeks, and someone just keeps talking about them and talking about them. The next thing you're like, "Fuck, just give me one." <laughs> Fair enough. Fair so enough. Like I managed to abstain for. Months, I'm finally getting this shit out of my system, and you just won't shut up about the new American spirit. So you know what? Just give me one, because I can't take it anymore. It's like people talking about pizza when you're hungry. You're like, shit, I really wish you'd stop talking about this. Well, speaking of pizza, one time we should probably do this pod back at the old place, my spot, because we have... Do you like deep dish Chicago pizza? I'm eating. Yeah, I did mine before because I respect our audience, but continue. Yeah. I'm, we haven't made any money from this yet, so I'm, 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 I'm good with this. I like Nancy's deep dish. Okay, so compare. I've had Nancy's many times. I, I like their deep dish, but there's a place near my house, and I was I was in the mood on mm. Saturday night. I, you know, just I told Leah, I was like, "Hey, I don't know what you're thinking, but I've seen this place. It looks kind of like kitschy. A lot of it's a sports bar. They, they advertise 200 TVs." But they're called the Chicago Sports Bar and Grill. Listen, I'm in a mood. I'm, I'm kind of wanting to try a Chicago deep dish, and I, I actually I kind of want to get into a little bit of butt play. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, I was like, I'll just get the the their supreme. wasn't 
very supreme, by the way. Just Italian sausages, pepperoni, onions, and green peppers. Not very supreme. But nonetheless, I got it. Brought it home. It was spectacular. Even Leah was like, this is incredible. And for mm -hmm. her to like say so, a pizza is incredible is a big thing. Like, yeah. Yes, for her, pizza is just kind of pizza. Right. I mean, we like the Maui Wowie from Mellow Mushroom, but it's not like she gets crazy about pizza. And she was just raving. That's how, and I was like, I have to, I have to concur. Everything about it was great. The buttery crust, the, mm -hmm. you know. I'm not a huge onion and pepper fan on the pizza, but I would always try it. It wasn't, they didn't, it wasn't like a, a situation where they overloaded it mm. with the, with the vegetable element. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the real star of, of that pizza show was the Italian sausage. It was wonderful. I have a problem texturally a lot of times with Italian sausage where it gets kind of grimy and chewy. Mm -hmm. This was just fantastic. I'm kind of right there with you. That's why I like Mona Lisa, placed by my house. Yeah, you they, mentioned that. They thin slice their sausage, almost like pepperoni. So if you get a sausage with pepperoni, you're not getting thick sausages, you're not getting sausage balls like a Domino's. You're getting very thinly sliced, like, authentic sausage. I won't say, this is not that. This was your kind of, like, uh, crumbled Italian sausage, but nonetheless, it like was... hamburger? Not hamburger. They were, it Meatball. was meatballish. Meatballish yeah. is a better way to put it. But it was really, really, really fantastic. But we don't have to talk about food or. When I go to Mellow, <laughs> I get a standard pepperoni, and I ask them to add a pesto drizzle. Yeah, I love the pesto they have there. We do the same thing at Mellow every time. It's always the Maui Wowie. It never changes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but it's just a. It's a Hawaiian. Glorified right? Hawaiian, but this one has no cherries. No cherries, but it has. It's a pesto base, which I love. Instead of the marinara, mm -hmm. and you, it's a pesto base, regular old cheese with jerk chicken, pineapple, ham, bacon, and jalapeno peppers. Hmm. I would try that. That sounds good. It, the jerk chicken is the star of the show, but then when you get the ham and the bacon and all and the pineapple, it's just and the pesto base. I mean, I never would have done that. Yeah, I, I never would have ordered a pizza with a pesto base. But when they the thing about that pizza pie is that when Mello changed their menu, they kept some things local. So they knew this pep this pep uh, this pizza was really popular at mm. that particular location. So it's only available at the one right next to my house. Oh, that's stupid. It is. <laughs> it really is. I like pesto sparingly. I'm not saying I wouldn't try that, but like like when we go to Maggiano's, which is not often anymore because they fucked up and changed their menu a few years ago, and I've never let it go. Well, we went together about a year ago, I guess. Yeah, I, it was for Father's Day. and Oh, yeah. It is. I mean, it, for what you get, if you order from that buy one, take one home menu, it's not a bad deal, and that's what we usually do. Don't you think it's a little, like, white trashy? It is. It's, it's uh, what, what movie did you say it's a movie for intellectuals? It's a movie for people to watch who think they're intellectual, but they're not. Oh, The Bird Box. Yeah. Mag that and Boondock Saints. Yeah, Maggiano's is the bird box of <laughs> restaurants. It's where people go who like, oh, there's white tablecloths. This is high end. Like, no, this is frozen Italian food that they're heating in a microwave. In right. fact, but I, I understand why you think that. Yeah, I mean, look, if you want the uh, basic chicken parm that you pay a little bit more for than you would at Olive Garden, then that's your spot. Yeah. But I mean... Well, what I like is you can get the lasagna or the spaghetti or the baked ziti. There's like six things, and it's eleven ninety five, and you get another one, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be the same thing. It's just from the same menu to take home. Mm -hmm. So you can get lasagna now and a whole baked ziti for tomorrow yeah. for free. For free. Which tells you right away, like, they're not making this in the <clears> back. 
they're reheating this from frozen containers. What I loved about, uh, just because we talked about this a little bit last week, when Leah was pregnant, I come home one day, and I was like, what do you want? You know, pregnant women are all, all over the place, all over the map with food. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I really just want shitty fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> I was like, so you want me to go to Kroger and get like a frozen fettuccine Alfredo? She's like, no, I want to go to Olive Garden. <laughs> and ever since then, it's just become like this, we go, we love Olive Garden. Yeah. I go she does tell a funny story. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but that's just the norm now. Yeah. But she tells a funny story about she went on a first date with a guy, and he took her to, <laughs> to Olive Garden. She was like, it's not very impressive when you go on a first date to a place that has wheels on the chair. <laughs> it's not a good look. <laughs> we go. I go Olive Garden, then I go Macaroni Grill, and then I go Maggiano's mm. in terms of a ranking system. Did you ever do that Scalini's place on 41? Uh, I've been to Provino's, which is the same thing. It is the same it's thing. It's like rallies and checkers. But they do that thing at Scalini's where if you're pregnant and you yeah, go and buy the eggplant, work. that's fucking stupid, but they do it. If you go and you don't have your baby within 48 hours of eating their famous eggplant parm, mm-hmm. you get like free food for some period of time. I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. If I had known that, we would have cashed in because we went there when Kristen was pregnant with Adelaide and nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking garbage. You can't just... Plus, you couldn't pay me to eat eggplant parmesan. I wish you would try this one that we bought at Costco. Does it I have know eggplant that in I... it? <laughs> if I put it over pasta mm-hmm. with a dash of extra red sauce, you'd mm-hmm. have no idea you were eating eggplant parm. I promise you, it's that good. It doesn't matter. The taste and texture of eggplant is revolting. Okay. I'm just telling you right now that what I concur like with chicken? you. chicken? <laughs> okay, asshole. It's like I'm trying just to tell- sell me on pickles. I'm not even trying to sell you. I'm, I'm just saying, like it. just try it. Just fucking try it. If I put it on a plate with some noodles and covered it in red sauce, yeah, I'm not and a you swirled it up. i take a bite. And, and well, you clearly are a child. <laughs> when it's revolting because it's eggplant, <laughs> I might not even swallow it. I'll chew it, and if it's nasty, which eggplant is, I'll just like it like a child and let it roll out of my mouth. Why is eggplant nasty? The flavor and texture of every kind of eggplant I've ever had is revolting. Revolting. It triggers my gag reflex like fucking ricotta cheese. I just can't get it down. Okay. I've tried it in Italian dishes. I've tried it in, uh, I've tried tabbouleh or whatever that shit is. It's fucking gross, and I don't understand the appeal. You're crazy. Tabbouleh is wonderful. I like that you can use the eggplant for a dick in text messages. That is the dick thing. I'm fine with that. It doesn't even compare to mine. See, I did, we have this work thing called Slack. We've discussed this before, but for a long time, me and this guy were using the uh, eggplant emoji because we just thought it was ironic, and it was stupid because none of us, we were not realizing that that was the international sign of dick. Mm. So, like, people would put something serious, and we would add a reaction with the eggplant. So, like, three months later, they're like, who keeps eggplanting things? <laughs> you know? And we were like, oh, shit. Because then Leah said it to me, and it was like, that means dick. And I was like, oh, no! Yeah, you go eggplant, peach, water spurt. This reminds me, we had a great, um... So, you know where I work. I don't mm-hmm. need to say it. Yeah. But they posted this thing... The company posted this thing about how Georgia doesn't have... They're one of five states that doesn't have a hate crime law. Shh. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> right. Let me guess the other four. Uh, Alabama. Alabama, Louisiana, Louisiana, probably, probably Florida. Or Texas. Mm-hmm. The red part of Texas. I'm sure the city of Austin has one. <clears throat> the People's Republic definitely has one. But I don't know. Anyways, it's an innocuous post, Right. But West our, Virginia. Our social media director comes in West to my Virginia office and says, like, look at these reactions. These people that have commented, they like, stay out of politics and just make pops. 
It's, and that was the... Shut up and drip, make popsicles. Yeah, that was basically what it was. And there yeah. was, like, one guy had this diatribe about, well, if you read the bill, you'll actually see yada, 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 that it's, it's fucking wrong and blah, 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 and it's dangerous. One guy responds with, but what is this, what is a hate law but just judgment? So I was like, I'll help you out here. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the people at work, honestly, they don't know me. Mm-hmm. They don't really follow me. Yeah. I stay out of their business. I come to work. I do my business. But they're not like, follow, they're not the kind of people that are watching my Georgia Bulldog videos where I'm fucking half drunk on a Saturday. It might be to your benefit. It yeah. is. I don't give a shit if they do or they don't, though. But I was like, he was like, can you respond to this? And I was like, I'm your guy. <laughs> if you're looking for a troll. You want me to start some shit on Facebook? <laughs> I can start some shit on Facebook. But I just, I just railed. I was like, one guy was like, what do you say? He's like, stop making political posts. And I was like, stop making insensible comments. And then he responds like, well, you're just the one throwing shade at everybody. Because one guy had the dumbest one. I didn't even comment. I just added a bunch of gifts of like Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. And I put Simple Jack on another guy from, from <laughs> Tropic Thunder. I mean, I was just going in. Yeah. And, you know, I, it was just like, ask yourself. And so one of the guys says, oh, with just one post, you made Steel City Pops taste better, which is not a competitor, just somebody that's trying to move in on the market. Mm. And I was like, oh, so you like Steel City Pops and hate crimes. Cool. <laughs> mm. Then that's, that's the way you go after Steel City Pops. Apparently, people who like Steel City Pops also like, like hate, hate crimes. crimes. <laughs> but I was, I was like, ask yourself this. There's, you're, you're asking a small company to not take a moral or ethical stand on, a, on an important issue. Not a political issue, just an important issue. Yeah. There happens to be legislation coming up before the Georgia Assembly to discuss a potential hate crime law, and that's what we're in support of, and that's what we're saying. We're mm-hmm. in support of this law. Now, that's you're so saying... It's so ridiculous well, that, that your company's in favor of someone saying, if someone were to, I don't know, murder a black person because they're black, we have a moral objection to that. Right. And I was saying, okay. I was like, <laughs> look, Simpleton, this is what I said to one of the guys, when one of these people was like, do you stay out of it? It's not political. I want to murder black people because of other reasons. <laughs> I just simply said, major corporations... Giant corporations take a stand on Amazon. these moral, yeah, on these moral and ethical yeah. issues every day. Yeah. They make commercials that they air at the Super Bowl. Mm. Credit card companies, people that steal from us constantly, even pharmaceutical companies yeah. sometimes take a moral and ethical stand. So what's the difference? It's like you clearly have a problem with this law from a personal perspective. Yeah. Right. So, but what if it had been different? What if we had said, we hear King Pops. We want to stop. We want to enact. A new, uh, we support enacting a, a new bill to prevent sex trafficking in Atlanta. We're the worst city in the United States for sex trafficking. We're against that. Would your response be, "Don't be so political"? No, right? You would say, "Hey, yeah. good, good on you, King of Pops, for trying to help fucking sex trafficking." Mm-hmm. But no, because it's a bill that you see because mm-hmm. you're, you're a racist. Not, you're not trying piece. to help sex trafficking. <laughs> That wouldn't be. That's hurting. not what I meant. <laughs> not what I meant. I'm not trying to encourage. King of Pops is trying to hey, help. Hey, I don't want. I don't want to call you tomorrow until you have to take this out. All I'm saying is, if we had been saying, you know, we hear it, fight, fight against yeah. sex trafficking in the city where it happens the most. Would the would the response response still be? Do you need something to lure a child to your minivan? <laughs> Are you trying to up your stable for very little cost? 
for $3. <laughs> hey, kids, do you like chocolate sea salt pops? Come on over to my minivan and have a few. <laughs> this is coming out. This has got to come out. You just referenced the bestseller. You're giving people ideas. This is horrible. Alan's going to pull over. He is going to... I'm fired. He's my direct boss now. It was just a slip of... It was a misuse of words on your part. I didn't mean in defense know, of sex trafficking. Clearly, that... Is, I want to backtrack and say I did not talk about Thor Burge at 12. I mentioned American Beauty. Hey, Thor Burge at 12. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, try this peaches and cream. Also, hop in the van. Oh, that wood paneling is actually wood paneling. Do you like Biscoff cookies? <laughs> you can't even buy these anymore. Oh, that reminds me, by the way. Do I you mean, like not Coca-Cola? I, I meant to uh, bring you some pops, and I forgot I'll, I'll remember next week. But uh, the old headquarters, they were clearing out. They were like, throwing away these pops that were in the freezer because mm-hmm. we moved about a year and a half ago. Sure. So there are some older pops in there. But they, one of our, uh, one of our account, one of our account reps found an entire uh, case. Mm-hmm. It's like a, I don't know, I don't know, fuck it, a lot. It's called a lot of yeah. wedding cake pops. Mm. Best pop we make. And don't make any more, probably. We only they make them strictly for weddings. You're right. If someone reaches out, and a lot of people do. You guys ever done anything with Nutella? No, you gotta yeah, keep in mind it's juice that makes popsicles, not not something thick like that. And you could dip it in Nutella. What's made? What's the chocolate sea salt made out of? Cocoa and milk and a lot of sugar. All right. You have to be able to freeze it. You can't. I mean, if you, fr- I guess you could freeze Nutella, and chunk it, like drop it in the pot molds. Something with a hazelnut and cocoa flavor. I just remember I, mean, I go for okay, gelato. I right. go for the no- you would have so. Not to get technical, and I'm not, you know, we've probably already talked enough about what I do for a living, <laughs> but if you were going to do a hazelnut pop, you would you'd have to find hazelnut oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that recently. We're, 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 um, there's the largest Whole Foods in the southeast is currently under construction. It's going to be on 8th and Spring Street. It will be my account, but we... Well, we're not doing, anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. But we uh, we do a uh, we did a, we did a specialty pot for them. It's a uh, praline peach. Yeah, you told me about this. And it's really fantastic. But in order to get praline, we had to find praline oil. Right. Uh, or pe- yeah, or pecan oil, not praline oil, pecan oil. And mm-hmm. we found a locally sourced one. And that's how you do that. You can't just like pump a bunch of fucking pecans into the pot. No. You have to get the essence, the oil that will freeze. But, I mean, you do have the ones with solid objects in the middle, like the cookies and cream, so you could you could put something in the pop if you wanted to. Sure. Like that. But you couldn't. I, I'm just saying, like, you'd have to, like, freeze Nutella, and I don't think that would be very pleasant to yeah. bite into a piece of frozen Nutella. That's you just my a, opinion. How would you do a s'mores pop? You well, could, you, you could do... do a, you could do a marshmallow swirl with fluff. Sure. Around some chocolate that you probably already done, and then you would stick a graham, a graham cracker, cracker in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. yeah, but but if you could get a toasted flavor in there somehow, like like liquid smoke or something, to make that marshmallow, like give me a meeting with one of your bosses. You I, know, this I is all ideas. great, but this is all coming out, so we can stop doing this <laughs> and focus back on more, or we could. Oh, Robin, we can't cut the funniest part of the show so far. Well, I, I it's such a big slip of the tongue. <laughs> It was the it was the wrong order of words in the right sentence. That's all it was. Yeah, and then, and then you, I made a joke then, about it. And then you throw in the Thora Birch thing on top of that. I, it's not good. It's 
not good. But I, I went to bat. I became the, the troll, and then I had kind of like now, I have this instant sense of like shit, mm-hmm. and I went back in and deleted all of them because I was like, I don't want the the powers that be. Yeah. One to see that I was trolling at work. Yeah. For one. And two, to see how I kind of went hard on these dudes. Because it turns out <laughs> the people at work have never t- heard the term water hit. Oh. So one of my responses was like, hey, can you help me? Can you walk me through how you got to this position of waterheadedness? <laughs> like, wh- what about the water in your brain is making you think like this? I feel like we should stop arguing over this, and I need to find out from you, like, who's paying bills for you? <laughs> Do you need groceries? <laughs> <laughs> meals you, on Wheels isn't a thing up, anymore. Are you signed up for Meals on Wheels? If not, <laughs> I'm going to help you out here. Because just based on your... Uh, I just put $90 into an Uber Eats account, okay? <laughs> Buy a two weeks worth of fast food, but please pro- check in with me that you're eating. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> Do you need someone to spoon feed you McDonald's? <laughs> Because I have a ninja. Just based on what you're saying, you, you you sound like a dumb piece of shit. Like someone who has more water in their skull and brain. Yeah, I, I even put a, a great meme-generated Ron, uh, Ron White where it says, next time you have a thought, let it go. <laughs> love it. Just love it. Let's uh, save sex for a moment. You got to pee? Yeah. All right. So we've abandoned Jumanji. It had to go. As much as I love Robin Williams, it never. It, it's not compelling, you know. Yeah, that. And he was misdiagnosed. He should still be here. Yeah. Well, I mean, one has to wonder: was it the diagnosis that led him to jerk and go, or was it just just good old-fashioned depression? Did he jerk and go? Yeah, he was found. Uh, and a sort of autoerotic asphyxiation type no, thing, wasn't it? No, you're thinking David Carradine, man. It's uh, Robin Williams just hung him. himself. I thought there was... A, I thought Even there was if it's true, <laughs> I'm saying no to it. It was a hairy set of balls, I bet. Oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> the balls are in there. Go right here. Help me. <laughs> Those balls. You ain't kidding, dude. That dude probably had... He was Bushwick Bill. That guy's forearm looks like my head. <laughs> Knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> serious, serious body here there. I like how he transitioned to a the action-packed LA Confidential. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were we're not getting anywhere talking about it, so I just clicked on something. Mm. I do want to preface <laughs> after the uh, safe safe sex. I again my bad. <laughs> Alan. I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's way too in your head. It was a good joke about a about an uh, improper or order of words. That's Every, fine. Everyone listening would have known exactly what you meant had I not made a joke about yeah. The, no, it's your fine. Choice of words. It's fine. I just shit. And I think it's very. I just funny. it just compounded off the Thora Birch thing, and you know I was mentioning her huge shooters from American Beauty also starring Kevin Spacey well I wasn't confusing that with Hocus Pocus because there aren't any huge shooters to be to be well, seen well we don't know that blonde haired girl that we were very hot on in Hocus Pocus might have had a nice set what was her name Vanessa, Vanessa Shaw Vanessa Shaw she's good she's she right. is good she's very good <laughs> by the way uh, 
you know, Banks came by to exchange the photos, the Indian right. photos, Native American photos, if you will. Hard eye. And he's with you on the uh, Alexander Daddaria versus uh, whatever made, that yeah. other one, the Ribby yeah. versus the old McRib. He, he made a great point in that all Alexander Daddaria ha- really has going for her is her boobs. That's so fucking incorrect. Her ass is incredible. You see that in True Detective. She's got that great skin and those beautiful eyes. And what I like about her is she's not exotic. She actually looks like someone you might meet at a fucking, you know, not a bar per se, but maybe a crystal. (laughs) I want a girl I can (laughs) meet at a crystal (laughs) with huge floppy tits. (laughs) Whoa, buddy. Those are not floppy. Those are perfect teardrop tits. They're floppy in a a good way. You're a a liar. What do you call it when they come flopping out? They're not. Every pair of tits can come flopping out. Even little ones can look floppy. Yeah, I well, I don't see floppy as a pejorative when I, when referring to boobs. Uh, to me, that's a negative connotation. I have said before that I, you know, her her boop bounce is what I call flubbly bubbly. Flubbly bubbly. She's got the flubbly bubblies. Speaking of this movie and boobs, <clears throat> I always had a little bit of a thing for Kim Basinger, former University of Georgia cheerleader. I didn't know that. Born and raised in Athens. My buddy Mike Bassinger used to tell people that they were related because their name is spelled the exact same way. My dad used to tell people that his father was uh, Steve Martin. And didn't he also tell people that he danced with uh, somebody, some famous woman at prom, uh, Pamela Lee? I don't know about that. I feel like he did. I feel like he did that. He's, too. He did see Stevie Nicks naked once. This is George Hurst's man, by the way, from Deadwood, mm-hmm. the guy that Dan uh, guides the eye out of in, yep. in the middle of the street. Is that this? He's a he's an actor whose name nobody probably knows, but he's in almost every action movie you've ever seen mm-hmm. because I, I think he's like one of those stuntmen turn actors. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this, <coughs> excuse me. This movie, it's it's just honestly, it's about as close to movie per- perfection as one can get. But the problem is when you come out in 1997, you stood no chance. Mm. Titanic's a good film. Can it touch this film as far as? Being as good as it is, no, but, you know, it had Leo and Titanic. Yeah. And speaking of floppy tits, those are some floppy tits. Well, what's her name? Well, in real life, Kate uh, Winslet, but... Uh, not attractive. You don't like Kate Winslet? Not, a, not even a little bit. Really? No. Okay. Not on board. Hard hard pass. Hard pass. Oh, I had a really off-subject... Hard no. Su- hard, ha- off-subject hypothetical for you. I asked Alan for some good MFKs or anything he never I guess he's just too busy these days but yeah, too busy murdering people yeah well he listens to the pod now so we've saved countless people but uh, I asked Sean a really interesting hypothetical while we were riding around the other day <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I said if you had to, if these are your two options you are going to be gang raped endlessly for 24 hours by 24 dudes of all different shapes colors and sizes or you get gently, lovingly raped every day for a year. By the same guy? Yeah. So you're in a... But he's not in it for, like, the, the violence. He just likes... He's gay. But you're, so you're, but you're a, unwillingly having to associate with it. You're in a forced relationship. For a a forced relationship for a year. Obviously, prison is kind of the backdrop for this scenario. But I said twenty five or 24 dudes in a 24-hour period endlessly raping you. Or one year of kind of a loving pseudo-rape every one, day. One where maybe you get to be on top every once in a while? Maybe. Less rules, for sure. And the other one, it's just the most violent. 
I guess the question, are you, I mean, are you in prison in the second scenario? I guess we'll have to say that in both scenarios you're in prison. Because in one scenario, it sounds like you have some freedom. Like, you're, you're not getting, like, raped around the clock by the same guy for a year. I just said, only once a day. It's like a sex session. Like, you know, You're like, just having, uh, yeah, you're just having homosexual sex. Yeah, like without any, Without any of the violence. Yeah, at just, 8 o'clock, it's pound town. And, and, then, and, and sometimes it's not even pound town. It's lovingly gliding into the butthole. I don't know. I'm just saying... We're, you're doing too much. Is there oral involved? I <laughs> probably, but again. Do I get to get off at any point? I, if over the course of a year you start getting into it, maybe, but I don't think in the first scenario you're going to be getting off. Well, I don't want to answer this question, but I do want to know what Sean said. <laughs> he went with, he wants to get it all out of the way in the one day. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he really got the implications or understood what I was really saying to yeah, him. It here. sounds like the choice he made, he's gonna end up with a disease. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just one guy. <laughs> but it, yeah, he was like, I'll get it all out of the way in one. I was like, yeah, I don't think you're really thinking this through. We're talking about twenty-four hours, twenty-four dudes endlessly yeah. just running a train on your mouth and butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weeks if not months of hospitalization versus a lifestyle that you're not fully on board with for a while. Because I'm willing to bet within the first few months if you go with option B, you can talk that dude into paying your bills. Yeah, there's gifts involved. Yeah, yeah. Hey, like listen. you're celebrating birthdays at the restaurant you want to go to. Yeah, you're basically, you're basically a kept woman. <laughs> You need to stay home, watch ESPN. Unfortunately, when he gets home at 7.30 after you've cooked his dinner, you got to do a little bit of butt play. But after six months, hey, yeah, here's my point. You're gonna be used you to might that. start enjoying it. <laughs> you might end up marrying this guy. But the other version... Yeah. You're never going to enjoy that. One, you're not coming out of that psychologically. Imagine 24 hours of that. Anyways, we asked each other some weird hypotheticals, but that one just popped into my head. I was like, man, 24 hours of straight rapage. Prison. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I'm not on board. Because even in that scenario, if one of the 24 is like, let's get let's throw this guy a bone and someone give him a reach around, let him let get something out of this, you know, that's only going to happen like a couple of times. <laughs> and you're not going to enjoy yeah, it. it's not going to be a fun one Option B, I'm picturing you're in a nice home. AC's on. You got air. Lube. Probably, it's probably, it's probably, there's probably a housekeeper who cleans it on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, it's. Did you see my text, by the way? Clearly option we don't, B. We don't need to spend too much time on that whack-ass hypothetical. But I told you, Brent was, or Brent, uh, Superfan Ryan, producer Burke over there. And there he is wearing some particularly nice pink underwear tonight. He's going to be a 24-hour rush. Well, he chose the 24 hours for a whole different reason. A whole different reason. It's Fat Tuesday. He's Cajun. He's going with the Mardi Gras underwear look tonight. But anyways, he uh, he said he didn't really realize why we apologized for 51. He enjoyed it a great deal. And I think it had to do with the story I told. Oh. Where he was like, hey, sorry about that, but I'm laughing pretty hard at this. <laughs> Again, I said that if, if Burke was on board, Sean gets no more vetoes. <laughs> He didn't even fucking well, that wasn't the story I'm talking about. What story are you talking the about? The wedding story. Where we didn't say any names, it was clear who we were talking about. I brought a, the biggest hoochie mama wearing the biggest hoochie oh, mama yeah, dress. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of carry over there, and he knew that story, but he was still dying laughing at it and kind of felt compelled to moderately apologize. And I was like, dude, 
Had nothing to do with you. At first glance, when I saw your text about that, I thought it was your brother texting about us getting to eat last at, at his wedding for some reason. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm missing. And then I saw that it was from Ryan at the time. Yeah. Well, good job doing it. You must have been very busy there because you didn't respond. I was seriously going to buy you a tuna sandwich if you didn't respond. It was going to yeah, be excellent. I was dealing with a fucking leaky, leaky roof today. So we've heard. Fucking. Those are good popsicle. Is it? You could lure me into a van. Well, you got a good one, too, because that's the one with the cookies coming out the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could totally lure me into a van. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Imagine getting plastic surgery in the 1940s. I sat next to this guy when I was David in, Strather? In, yeah. He was at uh, Robert De Niro has an Italian restaurant in L.A. Couldn't tell you what it's called, but we went to eat there when Banks was in that movie. Yeah. And he and his family were at the table next to us. And my mom was like, that's the guy from the Meryl Streep <coughs> River movie. He's like, he's in other stuff too, but I know what you're talking about. <coughs> I think that movie's called The River Wild. He Kevin was her Bacon? husband. Yeah. <coughs> Kevin Bacon, John C. Riley. John C. Riley, wasn't he a bad dude in that one? Yeah. No, Kevin Bacon was. Yeah, Kevin Bacon and John C. Riley were, were criminals. They were, like, they were like escaped convicts or something. Thanks for your voodoo, by the way. That, uh, pretty good, that, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> that was wonderful. I was thinking uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh, did you watch Bohemian? Yeah. It was good. It was very good. I enjoyed it a great deal. I thought it was one of the best movies I've seen in a minute. You're sneezing. Starts starts a little snow, a little slow, but it picks up in the last hour and 15. It's a good movie. It made, it made me interested in a musically, music, what's the word? Um, a, a historical music figure. Sure. I don't think that's what you're trying to say. It made me interested in a person that I was never really interested in before. Well, I told Leah I had seen that for many years. I have loved the performance at Live Aid. I've watched it countless times on YouTube. See, I had never seen it. And I... I didn't even know the song Radio Gaga. Never so heard That's where Lady Gaga got her name. Well, I know that now, but I had never even heard it. When that's we watched wonderful. The, when we watched the movie, obviously I knew the opening song, and then when they transitioned to this synthesizer pop 80s song I was like what the fuck is this song and then they transitioned into another one I didn't know and then they did well of course because it was a movie they couldn't really do the the entire performance that night was like 25 minutes yeah but the movie is 20 yeah but they they they, they do take out they do take out several songs and what they don't what I really thought would have been more poignant than ending with We Will Rock You Mm -hmm. or We Are the Champions I should say yeah was they came off stage, or they went on stage at like 6.42 or 6.45, somewhere in there, and they did their bit, and then they come off stage. But what the, you don't see in that movie, and a lot of people don't know, is they did a acoustic one song at 9.45 that night. Freddie came out in this mm. white outfit with uh, the perm-haired Roger Stone. I think he says, no, that's the fucking guy that likes Trump. Roger something. <laughs> I don't remember. No, uh, fuck. Uh, uh, Brian May. Brian May. No, Brian May was a drummer. No, Brian May was the guitar. Are you player. sure? hundred percent. Okay, he comes out with Brian May, and they do this great he song. He still has the same hairdo. It's I know. white, but it's and Brian he, like May. Like he said in the movie, that was always going to be him. Yeah. But he does this acoustic set with Brian May, and it's this beautiful song, and the whole place was just, it was nighttime, it was blacked out, and he sings this, like, what you think of. See, what I didn't know about that performance was that he already did know that it, the time was, was up. He's, mm-hmm. He lived another five years, but he knew, you know. This. Everything I've read about this, Live Aid was 85. He died in 91. But that he was diagnosed in 87. 
Everyone well, maybe. Not. But he also clearly was knowing something. Yeah, every everything that I read, because I, I, I read an article about the things that movie got factually correct and factually wrong, and there was an even explanation for all the things they did wrong because they did it on purpose for the expediency of filmmaking. Sure. Because the band, the band members, they didn't know until months before he died in the 90s. Hmm. But the film would have you believe that he knew he before knew. Live Aid. He oh, told so them, maybe that's and wrong. that makes that makes the Live Aid scene that much more impactful as a right. film because it's like their last big performance together. Sure. Uh, even though it wasn't, they still played into it. What if you're that gay years. dude that just said, "Come back when you're happy," and he comes back, but then you're like, "Yeah, but you have AIDS." Well, that was his. <laughs> that was his I'm life. glad you're happy, but. That, you have AIDS his now. His name's Tim Hutton, and that was his partner till yeah. death. Yeah. And that guy actually died in 2010 of cancer. Mm. So he must Tough not have. Go. He must. Mercury must not have given the AIDS to Timothy. You Hutton. know. You know what he did? Not Timothy Hutton. That's an actor. I don't know. Something Hutton. Something Hutton. But Ed Hutton. He just didn't. He just pulled the Jenny and didn't give the AIDS to Forrest. Mm. Don't you wonder? They had sex. Protected, they had a kid. Maybe protected sex, maybe a double bag. No, they didn't have protected sex. Fucking Jaylee, or what's that kid's name, Osmond? Haley. Haley Joel Osmond came yeah. out of that fucking relationship. My name's Forrest. Forrest Gump. <laughs> Is he like me? <laughs> He's the smartest kid in his class. <laughs> Anyways, they clearly had unprotected sex, produced a child. Yeah. She would have been carrying the HIV at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could Magic Johnson it and just inject $250,000 worth of emulsified cash into your system, and that, that's what kills AIDS. I don't know if you know that. You just take $250,000, you blend it, and then you just shoot it in. Is this a in. Magic Johnson, Johnson reference? Or? Yeah, and then you just shoot it into your arm, and it kills the HIV. Yeah, it turns out money can, can pretty much take care of anything. Yep. Uh, the, thing that, the thing that I kept thinking as that movie progressed, especially when he cuts his hair... I just remember like thinking I didn't say it out loud I was like was the sort of the mustache cop thing like a a common trend in the gay community in the 80s cause like or maybe he said it I don't know but like the, he cut his hair and did the mustache to look like the dude who kind of took him down the wrong path cause they were they which were, I love cause that dude was from Downton Abbey and he was like this great character that you love and he was you know for years I was like oh my god He's in this too. And then I loved Mike Myers yeah. as the as the owner of uh, the record company. Oh, yeah, because he famously <laughs> fought to get Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World and got huge pushback for it and threatened to not make Wayne's World if they couldn't do that mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody scene. So when he gets to be in the film Bohemian Rhapsody, he's playing a character who hates that song mm-hmm. and even says something a line along the lines of this song will never be played by headbangers in their car. <laughs> And that's exactly what they did in Wayne's World. He's a headbanger, but I, he did say something similar. He's like young people. The, that the dude that like takes him down the wrong path. He's bringing home like you know twelve gay strays, and it's like it's clear where the AIDS came from. <laughs> this dude really led you down the wrong path. But they all have like cop haircuts and mustaches. Like was this a thing? Like I know that leather daddies are a thing. That's there's a whole leather daddy culture. But this Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he wants to talk. We'll come back to him. Sean knows more about it. I Probably. actually, I actually know about it because of Sean. <laughs> That's why he chose the twenty-four. So what a cunt that it's, guy! It's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole submission thing that he's into. That's why I like Burger King. He Burger tried King. to, he tried to package it like, oh, let's just get this all over in one blow. And meanwhile, he's like, that's ah, just my Friday night. 
Yeah, he's 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 a true sub. That's why he likes Burger King. In a gay relationship, McDonald's is definitely the dominant top. <laughs> oh, he's, I mean, is Arby's the power bottom? Arby, Arby's. He Arby's, tried to take me to Arby's the other day. We were going Arby's to lunch. Arby's is an annoying bisexual best friend. That's what I Arby's haven't had is. Arby's in a very long time. I see the commercials and I wonder, like, is it good? But it's tough to say. I think we should probably shut this. I'm going to say that Arby's is not good. Well, I mean, they seem to be very popular. I don't remember the last time I had Arby's. I remember that used to be a point of pride with McDonald's. I remember I, I probably went four calendar years with nothing from McDonald's. It was when I was my thinnest, mm. probably healthiest. And I remember I met the, a girl I was dating. She was going to Georgia Perimeter College. Hey, my old alma mater. <clears throat> the one that's like right down the road, too. Because they have two, they have two campuses. Oh no, that wasn't my alma mater, but yes. Um, and she said, "Hey, you want to meet for lunch?" Because I'm, you know, my class ended early, and I said, "Yeah, sure." And she said, "How about we meet on that McDonald's on Peachtree Industrial?" It's like, all right. And I went in there, and I just got a double cheeseburger and a small fry and a cup of water. I was Ooh. like, I haven't had, I haven't had this in four years. What self control? And I don't really want it, but I'm. You're hot. I'm interested in where <laughs> this is going, so I'm gonna. And I thought. Like, like I, I was gonna need to start like picking out my coffin <laughs> when it was over. It's like this. I can, f- I can feel death <laughs> spreading through my body. You know, and now I needed to stay alive. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I can't quit eating McDonald's. I'll probably die. It's like alcoholism. I needed to stop the shakes. <laughs> so, you know. But Arby's, Arby's is, is is a hard pass for me every time. I mean, there's so many options now. It's not like the olden days. Let's get off this. Anywho, <laughs> I'll say this. I'll eat Arby's ten times before I ever even walk into a Captain D's. I had a workmate, since we haven't done one of these in a while, send me an interesting article. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Is it about Florida? Yes, it is. Hmm. I thought it was particularly interesting. Um... So NPR did a whole bit. And this is like a reputable news source. It's not like BuzzFeed or some shit. Should we get FCH to defend this? Mm, maybe. Um, we'll read it, and we'll go from there. Mm. Uh, okay. In October 2015, Joshua James... Sounds like a douchebag from Florida. Joshua James became a classic example of the so-called Florida man when he threw a live three-foot alligator through the drive through window of a Wendy's in <laughs> Loxahatchee, Florida. <laughs> it's an action that he earned him charges of unlawful possession and transportation of an alligator, as well as a top spot on the new list of top ten Florida man stories. And then he goes on and lists a bunch of other wacky stories. Like a man, Florida man steals 33000 worth of rare coins, cashes them in at a Coinstar machine for $29.30. <laughs> in Florida? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know how, like, Texas always threatens to secede and California should become their own, like, these, like, extreme states, like, we're going we're gonna to become our own thing because we're tired. I think the, 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 the union needs to ask Florida to become its own country. Florida woman holds up mail truck with toy gun and flees on tricycle. <laughs> what I love about these stories, you always have the mugshot. It didn't work. <laughs> She didn't flee and get away on her tricycle with her fake gun. Yeah, the United States should say, listen, we're going to take Puerto Rico on, and we're going to let Florida go. 
Puerto Rico is going to kind of become like the other Hawaii. It's part of us, but it's not connected. And Florida is is going to, we're going to give that back to the Spanish or whoever. It really doesn't matter at this point. Florida man Florida. and reptile store owner Benjamin Herman Siegel slapped his employees with a bearded dragon lizard after swinging it around in the air. He also put the lizard in his mouth during the out attack. God, these are wonderful. <laughs> oh, but that, Florida. Florida's like what... I posted this some some while back, like, 2000, pretty much any year of the Trump presidency, like, pick your year so far, mm -hmm. like, we'll just use, like, 2018 is like the state of Florida became a year, mm -hmm. and now we just know that it's going to be the same now. Do you <laughs> see that dickhead come out and hug the flag that, at CPAC? Th that was the most, just, I, I, I watched the Daily Show edit, so obviously it's, it's edited... Talk about Waterhead. <laughs> like, I mean, they, they just kind of cut all of the nonsense he said into, like, a 40-second clip, but it's like it just sounded like the ramblings of a, a fucking senile person. It's like, is anybody following this? And that that came after he walked out and hugged the flag. <laughs> like, what's that famous book where the, the, the retarded big dude hugs, hugs animals too hard and they die? Of mice, mice and men. <laughs> Like he comes out and hugs it real tight and he's like, that poor flag's going to suffocate to death. And he's just over there grinning, thinking about the last Big Mac he ate. He served more fast food at the White House, too, to the national champions from North Dakota State. Oh, he bought Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. Said he, was, he would eat a, a, a burger at the podium, but it would cause too much uproar with the press. Brother, what do you give a shit about uproar with the press now? Does he have... You could literally take a Big Mac up on the podium with the presidential seal, put yeah. your little mushroom-headed dick into it, <laughs> and get no more weird reaction than you've already got so far. He... And, there, and, your, and your base <laughs> would then go out and start fucking Big Macs because that's clearly acceptable now. Yeah, well, you slide your dick into the middle bun. Meanwhile, the other side is they, they can't get enough of this uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. It's like she is the punching bag. And my yeah. neighbor, and I try to avoid this, but like you said, with your neighbor and your HOA, but my neighbor posted some video where she was defending the Green, de green Deal and saying, if you don't like it, who cares? And then at one point, I think it might have been edited. I really couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. But it said, she said, I'm the boss yeah. or something akin to that. Yeah. And they were like, I, all the right-wing nutbags that clearly this woman is were like, someone needs to sew her mouth shut. Someone needs to put tape on her mouth. Like, oh, so that's really what... It, you're telling me we're snowflakes. So yeah. you're advocating just... Because you don't like what she's saying, and I'll admit, like I've said before, it's a little bit out there. Yeah. But because you don't like what she's saying, you want to physically sew a woman's mouth shut who's a little bit intimidating to you right-wingers. And so my response was, are you surprised at all? I, I didn't say that. I said, are you surprised by this rhetoric? Does it really surprise you when you have the, the, the leader of the free world who has to declare that I'm a stable genius? <laughs> Do you, are, are we any part of this surprising you? Yeah. I didn't get a response. She, uh, first of all, I want to know, in the West Wing and Designated Survivor, both shows that I'm watching simultaneously that take place in the White House, the president has a personal physician who is there to check his blood pressure and his vital signs and make sure he is healthy around the clock. They talk about it all the time, like fucking George H.W. Bush, like lived into his 90s. Jimmy Carter is still alive. Presidents <laughs> Building houses. Yeah, presidents live forever because even when they are no longer the president, you know, they still have that detail. It's like fucking Queen Elizabeth. She's been queen since like fucking World War I. Two, but I yeah. know. 
But she wasn't actually a queen. No, I know, I know. But still, it's like, if you're Prince Charles, you got to be thinking like, fucking Christ, am I ever <laughs> going to be the leader of this country? They don't even talk about that, dude. I, they, they're talking strictly about the son. The... I know, like, he's just like, he's going to be washed out of history. He's going to be Queen Elizabeth, and he'll get like a spurt, and then he'll probably have a stroke, <laughs> and then he'll go right to William. Speaking of strokes, let's do a uh, R.I.P. to the one and only Luke... Uh, I'm out of Luke Perry. Out of beverage, unless there's you're there's a there's white over there if you want. I'll take a white. Um, what what I was gonna you know I, I want to know does does Trump have that personal physician who's like every once in a while saying like listen I I get it you're the president and I, nobody can really tell you what to do but <laughs> I'm telling you I you know your your arteries are slow or forget slowly they are filling with plaque mm. this isn't helping Diet Coke. Does not mean you're on a diet. Twelve a day, as the reported source says. I thought about this this morning on my drive in. It's the you know I was like this is a real, real broad brush way to simplify it, but just in terms of living healthy, I think of liberals as well. I'm going to start juicing green vegetables for breakfast in the morning because I know that it's that's good nutrition. I'll get fiber from it, and I'll get clean energy. Mm. And then I think of your average simpleton Republican going, I'll switch to Diet Coke. <laughs> it's like, it could not be. You know be what? I'll do, the, I'll do the Jimmy Dean egg white microwavable breakfast. I'm going to switch to turkey bacon. <laughs> Would you like some raw carrots with your lunch today? No, I'm going to stick with French fries. <laughs> but I switched to turkey bacon for breakfast in the morning. And I'm only doing one donut, and I switched from Diet Coke to Coke Zero. I'm only using stevia now. Yeah. And like, it's like, because they were on the radio, they were talking, they were pointing out that the educated elitism of the left is what will always keep the middle of the country away from them. And I thought, mm. yeah, that's because the right demonizes intelligence. Right. Like, you and your stupid college books, we don't need no learning. I will never forget. I mean, it was one, I'm watching Fox News, don't know why it was on. Obama's president, he orders a hot dog and asks for Dijon mustard. And oh. Sean Hannity. Dijon. Oh, this president has to have Dijon. He can't have the regular mustard like the rest of America. I suppose you read books instead of listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> I just blew my fucking mind that this was not some like. It's like you're watching The Daily Show or, you know, Oliver, and it's like a two, 15 second bit. Yeah. Made for, for entertainment purposes. Hannity stayed on that shit for like four minutes. Yeah. About the elitism of Obama yeah. because he wants Dijon mustard on his hot dog. And I, the whole time suit. I'm thinking, Dijon mustard is inherently better than. I like French's regular mustard. Yeah. It's good. But Dijon mustard is better. On almost everything. Ham yeah. sandwich, hot dog, you fucking name it. Burger, if you want it. Yeah. If you got it, fucking eat it. Honey Dijon for your oh. chicken wings. For your chicken, chicken wings. Fingers. Chicken fingers. Might be good for chicken wings. It could be great. Yeah. But they, they were talking about how the left will never reach out to that middle of the country, that, that flyover state, because of their educated elites, because they think they know better. And it's like, well, yeah. And they, and they even went as far to say, maybe that's the problem, all these professors are on the left. It's like, yeah. Does nobody see the correlation that furthered education ultimately ends up meaning you're a little bit left of center politically because you know more? You didn't stop at high school and you've been fucking building shit for somebody else your entire life? You learned more? Sure, I don't know how to work a repair a brake caliper. <laughs> I don't know how to do a tune-up. And that's not to discredit people that know how to do brake calipers and tune-ups. 
And I mean, I'm not an educated lefty, but I understand that people who know more might know more. You're just an uneducated lefty. <laughs> it's like, yeah, people who got educated, that's they, they might know something. Here's, here's what's kind of weird about that. We're not entirely politically aligned, but from the outside perspective, as, as you've seen, we've been, we're pretty much the same person to mm. someone on the right. Yeah. Like, I could say I'm not liberal, but they're going to say, yeah, but... You're not right, so that makes you liberal. Yeah, but you're not on board with Trump, so you're a liberal. You're a liberal, but well, no, we we, we both are moderately educated. With some, you have some college, but beyond that, you're self-taught. You mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. You have a competent mind. You uh, you ask questions outside of your own knowledge. I do the same thing. But you, we've both worked blue-collar jobs for yeah. basically our entire lives. I I worked eight <laughs> years in a car shop doing I've, every number of shitty things. I've shared it before. I'll never forget when I spent a week working in Carrollton changing AC compressors On the with prison. Matt. Uh, no, that was in Cobb County. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But it was Matt in Carrollton who said, Brent, I got to know why you're doing this job because you talk smarter than anybody in this industry I've ever met. Like, well, I just choose to speak better. I don't know. I, uh, thank you, I think. I don't, I mean, hey, what do you say to that? Because I remember there was a lady who used to come to the car shop all the time. And I was just very personal. I liked her a great deal. Did a bunch of work on her car. Always made a good commission on it. But uh, she just looked at me one day and she's just like, Honey, you're just going to have to get out of here. This ain't the place for you. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you're just too daggum smart. <laughs> Conyers is not for you. She actually, not just the car shop, she labeled the entire city of Conyers as, Conyers just ain't for you, honey. Problem is, is I'm I'm just that that perfect amount of lazy to where I I won't... We share that gift as well. I won't apply myself. (laughs) At 32, I know, like, if I would have just applied myself in high school, I would have been an honor student. Sure. There's no question about it. But I spent all four years asking the question, why do I have to do this? Right. When, when will I ever need this? Well, that's the new life. wave now, uh, since we're so heavy in L.A. Confidential. The new wave now is technical schools, and it makes complete sense. Yeah. If, if I, if, when I got laid off, you had, you had an option, and it wasn't like it was like pick or choose. You were going to get unemployment, but part of your unemployment plus the pay was free technical school to go learn to be like one of five different things. And the majority of these guys went to welding school for free. It was part, yeah. of, it was part of your unemployment. Yeah. And one of the guys that I got laid off with, Got the mo- same money I did, went off and learned how to weld in two years, and now he makes like 120 k a year. He can do every kind of welding imaginable. Yeah. And he's like, I, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed that because I, I like to think more intellectually. I don't want to work smart. I want to work or work hard. I want to work smart. Yeah. I want And plus, beyond that, I have passion to teach. I mean, that's, I could have done it, though. Yeah. What, what, a, what a backup to have. Yeah. Seriously, even though it's not something you want to do. Not only that, but I when I was in HVAC, we took courses alongside with plumbers and pipe fitters that did welding. Yeah. And those dudes have some of the most fucked up injuries from on-the-job accidents. <laughs> you only have to see one guy whose face has literally been melted down on one side to go, I don't want to do what you do. Yeah. You could pay me 250 k a year to do it. If there's a risk where something might blow up in my face and I'll lose half of it, I'm good with You're out. with whatever this is over here. <laughs> I'll I'll do garbage cans. I'll empty garbage cans instead. Uh, so I mean that's why I got at HVAC. Every dude I kept meeting who was a journeyman HVAC tech was like sharing battle wounds, like m- exploded muscles from a grounded you know uh, unit that they didn't know. And when they touched it with both hands, the electricity shot through their body and burst out their bicep muscle. 
just back injuries and there was a dude in my class whose hand got severed by a fucking uh, exhaust fan. So like the list went on, and just the more time I spent in it, I just kept thinking like, I want to, want to keep all my body parts. And, <laughs> you know, I don't want to die at fifty five because my body's just so broken down from backbreaking labor. Sure. So I'm gonna pass on this. I'm just looking on. at just looking at potential news stories from the week. We just touched on. Uh, you know, R.I.P. to Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Uh, I never, I never, uh, I saw a bunch of middle-aged, not middle-aged, but mid-30s to early-40s women really having a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was based on the 90210 thing. I never watched, I was too young I never for that shit. It. But he is in one of my all-time favorite movies called Eight Seconds. Yeah, yeah, Cowboy movie. Starred Lane, it's a real, it's a biopic about Lane Frost, who, yeah. who did die. And I always, I, I didn't know the story of Lane Frost, but in the when I was younger, Ooh. Remember when music videos were literally a big deal? Yeah. And uh, Garth, yeah, Garth yeah, Brooks... mini movie almost. It always was. The production value was through the roof. Yeah. But Garth Brooks is probably his most famous song of all time, The Dance. You know The Dance. No? Come on. I don't know by the name. Uh, well, I'm not going to sing it. Anyways... <laughs> No, I'm not even being just tempted. Give the, just give me the chorus. It's the, it's the really slow song. He's like, uh, my life better left to chance. Okay. I could have missed the pain. Go ahead, keep going. But know. I'd have right to men. <laughs> I know that one. That song. See, I was going to say Thunder Rolls, but you know. That's a great song, too. I mean, it's Garth. He's one of my all time. To me, his most famous song is I've Got Friends in Low Places. It's. I would say that's the most karaoke song of his. But his, I'm telling you, the yeah. dance is like... The Crux. That's the one that. that well, that you, I don't want to step on any toes, but I'm a Chris Gaines fan. More than oh my! Gaines. You know what's funny about that? <laughs> I actually enjoyed some of the Chris Gaines. So it was fucking ridiculous premise. Yeah. It, it was like it was like Garth wanted to be Trent Reznor for about six months. He's like, how can I turn my career into professional wrestling without <laughs> doing the wrestling? I'll become another guy. But there really was there really was a few good songs that they did. It, it was but the whole premise was fucking retarded. But anyways, <laughs> the dance's music video was like a collage of sadness, right? So like it was, it, it had the crew of the of the Challenger walking out on the platform, about to get onto the Challenger. You know what happens to them? And it shows pictures of of Kennedy. And and the and the car and they're taking that left onto Dealey Plaza. It's got MLK standing on the uh, the second floor of the Lorraine Hotel. It's all about like they could have avoided this, but they would have missed the dance. They would have sacrificed what they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that it had a tragic ending. It could never have gone another way. Mm-hmm. And then the I had seen that video so many times that I was always like, who's this fucking cowboy? And it's Lane Frost doing that wave that he used oh, to do. Yeah, yeah. And I remember someone was like, "That's Lane Frost," and I was like, "I don't. That doesn't. I mean, how does that? We just saw MLK, JFK, the Challenger, like and basically, and then Luke, not Luke Perry, but the actual <laughs> Lane Frost yeah. doing that, that weird cowboy wave of his. And I was like, "How does that compare?" And I was like, "Well, Garth's from Oklahoma. Lane was from Oklahoma. Garth loved Lane, and yada yada yada." And then they were like, "There's a movie about it," and I was like, "Okay." It's called Eight Seconds. And the joy and the pain and the cold thing rodeo. But, yeah. If you want to finish it up, we can start from the beginning if you want. But I was telling these girls at work who were just like, so sad. I like how people get sad over someone dying that they have never met. 
Yeah. They the only the well, only relationship fair, they have with that. Fair. I was genuinely bummed out when Robin Williams died. Like for I mean, like it was it was it was shocking because you you know you didn't have it wasn't like they say Robin Williams has cancer and then a year later he dies. Yeah. Bill uh, Paxton was a bummer. That was sucked. He Ledger sucked Hoffman. because it came out right before the movie. Yeah. You were already excited. Look, I'm that. I'm not saying that. It, that but again, I don't. Okay, I'm like, that's, I don't grieve for the person. Hmm. I grieve for, like, damn. Like, I don't, I have no other James Gandolfini movie to look forward to. Yeah. I can't, like, when they do a Sopranos thing, he'll never well, be a part that of it. And like, when I Heath think... Ledger died, I was like, fuck, dude. that Because yeah. he was legit. When I saw that Joker movie, again, this he died before it came out, but everyone was just prepped and hyped for that shit. And that, when you see how good... Yeah, an actor. He really and we. I mean, you had inklings hmm. of how good he was as an actor, but when you see how great, like, what would Heath Ledger be making right now? Yeah, had he not overdosed, post won that, probably won that Oscar, even not posthumously, yeah. right? What kind of power would he have to pick and choose roles? What kind of stuff would he be writing? What kind of stuff would he want to be directing? I agree for what you lose. As an artist, and that goes for not just movie stars, for musicians. What yeah. would we, and and not even that, but comedians. Think about the world of comedians. What would we have if Chris Farley had really, yeah. really taken on his rehab and not and, and gone back well, for a twenty eighth time and, and, and actually stayed clean? In addition to the death news, Brody Stevens, a very well known comedian from L. A., he's done. He did show warm up for uh, Chris Hardwick's show. Mm. Um, He's one of those guys where if you're into comics and comedians, even though he's not, say, David Cross or Louis C.K. fame, he was pretty well known amongst people who follow comedians. Uh, Brody Stevens uh, committed suicide uh, one or two weeks ago. Sure. And then the singer from fucking Prodigy died this week, too. That one, uh, you know, a, a bug died yesterday. <laughs> meant just about the same to me. That, I'm not trying to be cold. Don't play the game or I'll test you. Right. I, when you when we texted me last night, I was in the shower. I, I got I got I put the phone down. I got in the shower. And the next thing Second you know, I, was, I, was, <laughs> well, I was just thinking. When I was in middle school, you know, they were like, we, you had layers. So like, they kind of rode the wave and then Marilyn Manson came over and really yeah. was like much bigger like which band with cockroaches in the music video are you into most well it was just I so you know they did I'll never forget the, the VMAs which used to be a huge deal video yeah. music awards they did a cutaway they were like, tonight prodigy it was on the show and, and they were causing a stink with the conservative news media mm. uh, I'm a fire starter right and they're like, kids are starting fires because of the band from England, Prodigy. But VMAs, they cut to a live show in England, and there's that guy that, what's his name? I don't fucking Keith know. Keith something? Something, Keith, yeah. Keith Morris? But he, I don't know. You know, they're, they're, they're doing a live show into this show that they're doing in England, and they're putting it on national television on the VMAs, and he's like, and he just starts drooling. And my dad just... <laughs> change the channel. I mean, it was like this is stupid, and I actually agree with him. So it's like, yeah, you, he he has his place in the history of music. I'm not taking that away from him. Yeah. But what I'm ultimately no getting at is, I just don't understand this, and I I think it has to be faux sadness towards someone dying. Mm -hmm. I think what people like you've mentioned some good ones, Robin Williams, right? When he died, yeah, that's very sad. But I think what people are mourning. It's not Robin Williams. You never knew the man. Yeah. You knew the character. You knew the guy that we were making fun of, making fun of you. And all the constant, all the constant impressions and the 
incredible energy. But what you're actually, what you're actually mourning, is the person you were when that was funny, when that made you feel good. You yeah. are mourning the ten-year-old watching Miss Doubtfire for the first Hook. time. You're mourning exactly. Yeah. You're mourning, yeah. you know, Peter Banning from mm-hmm. Hook and watching that transition to remembering that he's Peter Pan. You're mourning the serious actor. That might have changed. It might have seriously made you feel something. I was more in one hour photo, but I get your point. Yeah, but you see what I'm saying. But uh, what's the movie that? Uh, fucking Matt Damon. God damn it. Google Hunting. Yeah. You're mourning that seriousness of that film that kind of showed you, like, wow, this guy can really fucking it's act. Not your fault, Will. I hate that scene so it's much. Not your fault, Will. It wouldn't have done anything for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. It's not my fucking fault. I was a fucking orphan. Why do I? <laughs> Anyways, that's psychologically. It's not your fault, Austin. <laughs> Uh, They can't see me hugging you right now. No, I agree. I I just think that's what they're mourning. Also, something that I that bums me out when I see it, like when James Gandolfini died, the first photo I saw in relation to his death story was him carrying a baby car seat with his like baby daughter in it, Mm. and it was a recent photo. It's like, fuck, like she's gonna grow up with no dad because the fucking writers of The Sopranos didn't want him to lose weight. I think that's probably a stretch. Uh, a human being can say, especially at like episode or season three, could have said, "Look, I know y'all are wanting this, but I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm not Jane. I'm not Tony Soprano. My name's James Gandolfini. I don't even sound like Tony Soprano. When you hear his real voice, mm-hmm. and the only thing that's been pounded in for eight years is that, yeah, yeah that New Jersey fucking yeah. goomba nonsense. It's like when you hear him talk, you're like, like I saw that documentary he did about." Um, when soldiers are severely wounded in battle, it's called a certain thing. It's like they're a live day. I think that's what they call it. It's, mm. a, it's like instead of a birthday, they call it a live day. But anyways, he was big into helping vets. And uh, he did this, you know, he's talking to these guys. And you honestly don't even realize it's Shane Game. Right. Because you, you're expecting Tony Soprano. Yeah. So uh, tell me about the day where... Uh, well, he had that. He had that. He, he kind of went up in his intonation when he talked. He got. He, he like. He, he purposely didn't deepen his voice. Ross Marquand from The Walking Dead does like a spot on. <laughs> does a spot on impression of him because he, he gets up high. Like he's not. He's not a deep voiced guy when he does Tony Soprano. But in real life, he he was deeper. I'm not saying that there. I have not been like damn, but I've never been like damn. I'm gonna miss him. Yeah. It's always damn. What did we not? What did this artist not well, get think, to leave us with? I, I think when it's someone like Robin Williams, you are sort of mourning your childhood in a, in a way. Yeah, but I would say the same about James. I mean, The Sopranos was a, not my childhood, yeah. but my more formative years, my youth. Yeah. I used to rent this. The, when you used to, when I want to go to the movie gallery, you couldn't mm-hmm. rent the entire season. Yeah. You rented episodes one through three right. of the first season. Well, this comes to mind. Mark Maron, podcaster, comedian, very famous. Here's to now. James Gandolfini. Damn it. I already drank mine. All right. Mark Maron is very well known now. He's found his success at this stage in life. But 10 years ago, his podcast, WTF, was just starting. Um, point being, something he talks about, because his podcast is so personal and the same people listen to it week to week, there are. Millions of people who feel a connection with him because they listen to him talk Monday and Thursday every week, but they don't actually know him. But they feel so personally connected when they see him in public, if they go to one of his stand-up shows, they're just ready to start having a conversation off the back of something they just heard him talk about. 
Because it's kind of like this show. Like my my parents have said, listening to our show, you they want to jump in because they feel like they're part of a conversation because they're listening to the same. Well, oh, they're talk also our week. parents. I know, but strangers have that with Mark Maron. He's talked about that before. That same sense of ah, I want to get in on this, and I'm listening to you talk every week, so I feel a connection with you that you don't feel with me. Right. And I think that's kind of what gets extended to certain actors. You because you see the Philip Seymour Hoffman's of the world in so many things and you like what they do so many times and you see them in these good films over and over again, when they die, you are, you're mourning the loss of a fictional character more than you are a human being. I'm not trying to get too deep with this either because I agree with that. I really yeah. do. But I also think when someone that we see on a, on a big screen or a mm. tiny screen and someone that we know they have a real name but we kind of fall in love with the characters. Yeah. But when they, they don't, it's not like when and there's a lot of deaths that I know are coming, of course. So when they say like Harrison Ford died today, Bill Murray, Bill Murray died today. Steve, Martin. let me stick to one though, because I can't <laughs> goddamn do all these. So when they come out and they say Harrison Ford died today, my mind's gonna be Indiana Jones died. Yeah, it's not. I don't know Harrison Ford. Yeah, I know Indiana right. Jones. Right. That's that's ultimately what I'm trying to get at. We we fell in love with a character. So when they die like this, it's it's two parts. One, and we've already touched on it, a, a sense of your childhood, mm-hmm. or or maybe even just a happy memory. You don't have to be a child. Maybe a movie you saw made you supremely happy in a really bad situation in your life. Yeah. But the other part is, and this is just the simplest one. This is the one that any psychologist would probably tell me that I'm right. It's just the a reminder of the inevitable. Luke Perry dying at 52 after a massive stroke. Yeah. He's so young. Eh, maybe. I mean, 52 is not that young. It's only 20 years away from me. Right. So I'm saying it's not that long. It's not that it's, you're not very young and you're not young and you're not old. Yeah. And this is what I don't know what his life like. Truly strokes, middle-aged. Strokes hit everybody. Yeah. I mean, I would just wager that if the building blew up right now, Matt and Perth would be a little bummed we died. I think he'd be bummed, but he, you know, he'd just go find a new podcast. I mean. I would hope that he would send a nice email. Like, you know, that would actually be really <laughs> apropos, right? So, like, we, the building here at Accent Graphics explodes in some gas leak that you didn't know existed. Yeah. You know, the word gets out. Someone does, they go on, I don't even know how they would access the pod, but they would do something on Instagram. They have to do some real digging. They have to do some real digging, and, you know, uh, banks might figure out how to get into our, our Instagram. I don't know. I don't think so. I'm just saying, somehow, <laughs> some way, somehow... I'll tell you what it would be. My phone, if my phone survived the the, the explosion, mm-hmm. they'd have it, and Matt would email because I get his emails and my sta- I combine both inboxes, and he would get an email and he would say yada 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 yada, and somebody would respond like, sadly, there was an explosion. The laugh man and a laugh no man and golden voice <laughs> are doing a pod in heaven, whatever. Yeah. Or hell, and. Uh, Matt, purgatory. Purgatory. We'll do the P. We'll do the P thing. But Matt, M, M and P would then probably write us an email that was like a sending off or something. Yeah. Don't do it, because now we're starting to get really weird. <laughs> like, I feel like M and P is going to send us some email, assuming we're dead. I wouldn't give a fuck if you guys died. <laughs> I miss my shows on, on Wednesdays, but I wouldn't give a fuck if you died. I really wouldn't. Uh, Have you imagined you ever sent me that care package? <laughs> Yeah, that's what he would say. Hope the care package is in the mail. <laughs> Hope you manage to get that care package out before you drop dead, you bastards. If I don't get my peach pie from the varsity, very upset. But yeah, no, it's just 
I just, I, I don't know, really, I think we started this with an RIP for Luke Perry, I think. But I Luke find it Perry. really fat, Luke Perry. Damn, that's our, that's our send-off. <laughs> that's how we honor the memory of Luke Perry. Luke Perry. But it wasn't even Luke Perry, it was Steve, Steve Perry. Perry. <laughs> that's what we'll do tomorrow. I was walking to work, guys. I've been up all night, and I just found the words that helped me encapsulate my feelings about the passing of Luke Perry, and Luke Perry. <laughs> <laughs> now, what you should do is go to work and be like, I don't know, guys, it's just really bummed me out that Steve Perry died. <laughs> And just wait to see how long it takes them to correct you. Who? Steve Perry. Steve the, Perry, lead singer of Journey. Yeah, guy, he was on 90210. That's a bummer. <laughs> they get that Asian guy, Filipino guy, to replace him. He sounds just like him. And that 8 Mile movie was something, but... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to have to back up here. Uh, Luke Perry died, not Steve Perry. The movie you're referring to is 8 Seconds, not 8 Mile. That's an Eminem movie. Uh, you've really fucked up in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I just love that that was a psych out on basketball. Steve Perry. <laughs> but now, forever, at every pickup game at the gym, Lou Perry. <laughs> uh, uh, but you, I guess, after all this, you see my point. I just don't... It's this part of... Hum- the, it Really what it boils down to is this celebrity culture. There's a question here, though. Yeah, let's hear it. Who is the celebrity that you would mourn the way that people are mourning, <laughs> you know, bunny rabbits. Um, Luke, like, you know, is it... Well, is I've kind of already touched on it. I, there, when I, Who's still living that you would go, fuck, well, and, you, it, and you dwell on it for a while? One, here's the thing. Uh, the, when I was younger, and not much younger, a couple, mm, ten years. Rick Flair. That's going to be hard. We'll get there, but, that's, <laughs> but that has nothing... Let me focus on the here now. I, there, there were two that I knew... I always said, when these two guys die, I'm going to have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Now, notice I just said bad day. I didn't say, like, my month is ruined. Yeah. My year is ruined. I just said, it's going to be a tough day. Andy Griffith. Mm-hmm. I grew up on Andy Griffith, right? I don't know. I never met Andy Griffith. I grew up on his comedy, and I grew up every night, every single night. When my dad came home, we would eat dinner, watch Andy Griffith, it's from 6 to 7 on TBS, the Superstation, and the Braves would come on. Mm. That was our nightly ritual. Yeah. Dinner, while we're watching Andy Griffith, laughing, Braves. Yep. And that was my whole youth. So I knew when Andy died, and not only that, I remember riding in my... He's dead, right? Yeah, riding in the car with my grandfather. We, we, we would listen to the old Andy Griffith comedy. A lot, a lot of people, not yourself. I, I've told you, I have a dream, and it is a dream... Of doing not a sideshow, right but here. but doing a kind of I guess you can only call it a well you did sideshow it's kind of a vaudeville honoration uh, honorary show mm. to celebrate a piece of his culture that a lot of people don't they only see Andy Taylor right. for Mayberry right they never saw the blackface <laughs> that's you're a dickhead. Dude. <laughs> You say vaudeville. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think Andy Griffith ever did blackface. I can't know that. He might have. He was from Mount Airy, North Carolina. I don't know. He came close in our insane clown posse picture. Yeah, that's not. That's just idiot face. That's not blackface. That's juggalo face, an entirely different subsect of idiot. Andy Griffith and juggalo. We do face. have that picture. 
But I we do. I, I honestly thought that when he died, I would be sad. And I was, but I was not sad in the sense that I thought I would. Because, again, I, for me, it was even early, I knew that I'm not really sad that this old man mm. had who had lived a wonderful life right. died. Right? I was sad that it was just, one, a reminder that we're all going to die. Number mm. one, always. And two, that... Yeah, when I was a kid, this was my life. It was w- the sadness came from the realization that my dad is going to die. Yeah, and I'm not trying to go all deep and introspective here, but that was the sadness. Was like the moments as a kid that define you. That that stray Monday, Wednesday, any night of the week where your dad comes home. Yeah, and you eat dinner and you watch Andy Griffith. That is dead now. Yeah, it was it was dead a long time ago, to be honest. Right. But it's officially dead now. The other one was Larry Munson, the famous... Uh, Hunger down! Come on, dogs! Yeah, I mean, I... I touchdown! <laughs> it's a touchdown! I could do the whole thing, the whole floor. I had memorized the calls. I have the VHS tapes, the Munson's uh, greatest call. Love... Buck third down on the eight. In trouble. Got a block behind him. Going to throw the run complete to the 25. <laughs> to the 30, Lindsey Scott. 35, 40, 45, Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. I mean, the whole thing. Well, I used to love when Tim Andrews would do the uh, the young co-eds, Larry Munson. That, that is life. the other side that made me less sad when he died. <laughs> when he found out what a fucking creeper Larry Munson really was. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny that you touch on that because it occurred to me a couple of years ago that a lot of my sort of adult-onset anxiety stemmed from the fact that I had been so exposed to so much death at an early age. My cousin Patrick on my dad's side died at, I want to say, 19 on a motorcycle accident. Mm. And younger than Adelaide, I saw him in a coffin. Mm -hmm. That fucks with your head at four when you see... What essentially looks like a big teenager dead yeah. in person. Sure. To this day, I've told Kristen, I, I said, I don't care if it's one of our kids' grandparents. At this age, they're not going. I'm not going to let them see that. They can go. I just don't think you walk them down to the coffin to, yeah. to do a fueling. Yeah, I'm not going to let them see a, right. a relative that they intimately knew and saw walking around weeks prior dead i'm not gonna do that it fucked with my head at four and to this day it fucks with my head you know and as a teenager this is a really interesting timing on this too well let me finish go ahead i'm sorry as a teenager i knew a lot of kids my age to die Mm -hmm. a kid i played football with died in a car accident uh there's too many to list individually but i remember my best friend in high school was nine years older than me he was a guy through church and we're still very close we don't talk as much anymore but it's the kind of friendship where we can brandon no no it's kind of friendship where we can go like one or two years without ever exchanging a word right. outside of Facebook, and then I can call him and we can talk for three hours exactly where we left off the last time. Sure. And at nine years my senior, I remember him commenting to me once when I was having to go to another funeral, probably Adams. He said, you know, it's wild to me that I'm nine years older than you, and you've probably been to ten times as many funerals as I have. Sure. So you are more intimately connected with... The end of life for untimely people, too. Like my friend Frank's mom, who who died of cancer at a young age, Adam shortly after, two or three kids in high school, that cousin when I was four, the list goes on. Um, He was just blown away at the number of funerals I had been to. He's like, I can count on one hand how many I've been to. He's like, shit, man, I, I lost count. Yeah. So I think when the girls were born and I became an air quote responsible adult, 
that a lot of that sort of early connectedness, like this shit really does end at some point. Fucking, you know, kind of weighed heavy on me. That's when I started getting paranoid about being healthy. So I lost weight and that's fluctuated here and there. I could certainly be doing we better. We ate McDonald's last pod. <laughs> I know. We eat Baldino's we or pizza. We just vodka shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. <laughs> At 6.30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm saying the weight of the seriousness of life, especially when you have kids, weighs on you. Watching Adelaide get stitches in her chin this time last week. It was last Tuesday. It was fucking intense. Because like, I'm watching this happen in a hospital, and I'm thinking, the last time you were in a hospital was when you were coming into this world, mm. and I was watching it. And, like, fighting tears of, like, just overwhelming happiness and joy and, and just God knows what kind of feelings. And now you're in a hospital again at five getting your chin sewn up. Like, this is that kind of sappy dad story I'm going to tell at your wedding one day when I was watching how brave you were, even though you were freaked out the whole way and kept asking the, the nurse and the nurse's assistant and then eventually the doctors is like, who are you? What are you doing? What are you going to do to me? What is that? What's that over there? Like, cause she was just so like nervous about what was gonna happen, cause you can't you can't explain to a five year old that this nice doctor is gonna come in here, she's gonna take out a giant fish hook and she's gonna run it through your skin and she's gonna sew it shut with thread. Like, you can't explain all that to a kid. So you're like, uh, she's gonna use magic string to close this giant gaping wound in your chin up, and we're gonna make your chin all better, and you're not even gonna feel a thing, cause it's already. You have to explain it in, like, little kid terms. And the whole thing was just such a trip because it's, like, it's just wild to see the evolution of life. You're five now. You're going to be six this year. You're getting stitches. I've Other than surgeries, I've never had stitches because I was never the kind of kid that would take the risk where I might end up needing them. Right. And she's on a playground, splits her chin, and, you know, the biggest hurdle after she stopped crying was just to get her to leave it alone so we could go get it taken care of. Right. But you were saying it's weird timing. Well, I, I just I was just listening to, I got distracted because that uh, KOP post is getting a little sideways. Um, <laughs> the I was listening to NPR and they were talking about the developers of Sesame Street, um, really focused on how to address death mm. with children, and you know their lead psychologists. And all these people were saying that for a child, when you're explaining death, the the metaphor they use was kind of like how a child eats. Mm-hmm. So if you get a give a child an apple, or slices of it, it doesn't fucking matter. When you give a child an apple, they'll take a few bites and they'll put it down. Mm-hmm. And you might find that in an hour, they'll come back and yeah. they'll take a bite. And this take, is true. They'll take another few bites. I've seen it. Yeah, you've seen it more than me, but that's how my kids eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, I may have a little bit now. And then I'm going to go back to the Legos. Right. And then I'm going to go back to the and baked beans that were warm and delicious and that are now ice cold. I'm going right. to eat a few more bites. Yeah. So these, psych- these psychologists focused on that. They took that as like, okay, that's how a child eats. That's also how a child uh, internalizes mm-hmm. knowledge that they can't, they'll never, they don't have the capacity to understand. Yeah. So they were saying, when you're dealing with death, this is how they packaged it. So they did an episode, a now famous episode, mm-hmm. where the local, I think he was the grocery, grocery man. This was some time ago. But in the show, in, in real life, he had died. Mm-hmm. So in the episode, Big Bird is, has made a painting of him that he wants to give to him. And they're like, yeah, but Big Bird, we already told you that Mr. So-and-so is dead. He's gone. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, big, I can't do Big Bird's voice, but he's oh. like, I'll just give it to him later. And they're like, again. <laughs> Listen, dumbass. Listen, you fucking <laughs> stupid piece of shit. Listen, you giant you, you, fucking you, public you, moron. <laughs> Listen, you oversized, totally unrealistic fucking bird. What fucking bird <laughs> looks like you? The answer is none. None, because you're a guy in a fucking bird suit, Thomas. So stop with this shit. <laughs> I already told you that Mr. McBeavy is dead. <laughs> I like how you went with an Andy Griffith character, Mr. McBeavy. I love it. But... They, that's how to be now that we down La La Land off topical. <laughs> Took a hard right. Well, La I'm trying La to introduce some humor. Oh yeah, it's been ser- fairly serious. So I appreciate it. But they were, they were saying that's how you deal with it when you're introducing death to a child. If you don't get your it's... shit together, I'm gonna get that Elmo pervert over here. And I'm gonna let him into your suit. <laughs> Remember the hypothetical we told you about, Big Bird? Twenty-five guys in twenty-four hours. That's where you're headed. You're getting it. <laughs> You've taken the soft, tender loving off the menu. Fucking asshole with your dumb questions. Sorry, kids. Back to the show. Sunny day, chasing the clouds away. Oh, Big Bird's being gang raped, kids. But that's how they say you deal with it with children. When you're when you're trying to introduce the concept of death, mm-hmm. it is not one conversation. It's yeah. many. It is, you feed them a little bit here, yeah. you lay the foundation, they walk away. They, they nibble, yeah. and they walk away. And they'll come back and they'll say, well, when are we going to see so-and-so again? Yeah. And you say, you know, they are, they're dead, they die. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you this, just parental experience, because V's you know, not even one yet. Just show her the movie Coco. That's all it took with Adelaide. She loves Coco, but she only loves Coco in the sense that, wow, this is colorful. Yeah. That's where she's at now. We took Addie to see Coco, I want to say for her fourth birthday. Probably her fourth. And I'll never forget, eventually it was on, it was available for purchase online, and we got it on Vudu, and she could watch it at home. And I remember right, maybe at four and a half it was bedtime, and she asked to watch a movie, and we, they have a TV in the room. I said, you can watch a movie. Do you want to watch Coco? And she said, I don't want to watch Coco. And I said, why, don't, why not? I thought you liked Coco. She said, I don't want to see the grandmother die. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, you, you figured something out at a very early age. I was like, really? She's like, I said, well, you know it's just a movie. She said, yeah, I know, but I just don't want to see Coco die. I'm like, all right. Aww. So we pivoted to the Grinch or something else, you know, because they both, the original 1960s Grinch cartoon is their last call. Like, if they both go to bed and they ask to watch Frozen, we'll oblige them. But then, you know, no later than 10 p.m., if we go upstairs and they're still awake, it's like, all right, movie's over, even if it's not over, you have to go to bed. And their bargaining chip is, can we do the Grinch? Not the Jim Carrey Grinch, not the new one with Benedict Cumberbatch, the old uh, 1960s Frankenstein Grinch. What was his name? Boris Karloff. Yes, yes. That's their bargaining chip, and it's a 22-minute movie. It's like, all right, fine. We'll do that, and that's it. And they know, like, this is an established rule at the house. That's the last one. If you're still awake when it's over, your butts are going to sleep with nothing on. Because they like to fall asleep with the TV on. I'm their dad. I do, too. I can't make a case against it. But Adelaide you know, four, four and a half, because of that movie alone, understood, like, oh, yeah, she died, she's dead, now she's over there. And she's like, I don't want to see her die. I was like, all right, wow, you've 
you figured something out. And so just from that movie alone, she's kind of grasped the concept. She's never had to face it in real life. And I, like I said before, if and when the day comes around this age, we're going to shield her from it as much as possible. I'm not trying to say, like, Adelaide, come on. Coco was old as shit. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best thing for Coco. Well, she... To to kick off the mortal coil. I mean, your grandson's over here, your great-grandson's putting... Nacho Libre masks on you. Well, and I tried to point <laughs> out that in the spirit of the movie, Coco just goes to the other place. Yeah. And there's another place. Honestly, I know that you have, we have different opinions on this. Uh, that would be a pretty kick-ass afterlife. Unless you get forgotten. Well, again, I, the kick-ass part was kind of <laughs> related. I, yeah. You know, if you've got your face on the thing that yeah. they called it. Ofrenda. Ofrenda. If your face is on a friend, I give you my permission to go home, <laughs> to my, put my photo back on the ofrenda, <laughs> and to never play music again. I actually saw. What do they call the animals? The uh, uh, it starts with an A. I don't remember. I can't remember. But it's. I saw one of those on Antiques Roadshow. It went for like thirty thousand dollars. It was like a little. Alahibre. Alahibre. Alabrihe? Alabrihe. Yeah. And they would, they had one of those uh, all painted and gorgeous, and it was like 300 years old, and it sold for like, or they appraised it at 30000 You ever watch the Antiques? Lee doesn't like watching the Antiques Roadshow with me. One, because I don't want to watch it, so I'm always like, fuck. Two, <laughs> even though I find it interesting, I get it that yeah. it's history. She, she has the misconception that because I love history, I want to watch the Antiques Roadshow, mm-hmm. which is a big-time misconception. Look, look, a new tea set. It's old. It's an old tea set. <laughs> oh, it's only worth $15. <laughs> Next. I do love the ones where the guy, where you have that guy say, I bought this, I know it's worth $25,000. Like, this is an authentic a Elvis sculpture <laughs> signed by the king himself. You know what happens the most is the guys, that, these fucking, and I know, I know who they are, these Confederate apologists, <sighs> these fucking lost cause dickbags that go out and they pay five grand. This was... John Bell Hood's sword. He killed 20 Union soldiers with this at Chickamauga. And I got, yeah, I bought it at a place off the fucking road in Mississippi. It was a little juke joint. Traded a guy six got beers and a, $20 for it. Got this from a store on Kennesaw Mountain. <laughs> Along with authentic Confederate money. <laughs> yeah, and then the guy's like, he goes, he's trying, all those appraisers try to be nice. You know, yeah. they're not trying to like, because they know it's going to be on TV. Mm. But they're like, you know, yada, 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 here's the facts, here's this guy was. Unfortunately, dickhole, <laughs> it's worth $15. You can see that it was made in China. It actually says it right there. <laughs> made in China. Yeah. But I, I watch these shows, and I... I, I it's just so fucking ridiculous. Because, yeah. like, some of the... It, it, I mean, there's there's often some cool shit on there. And there's all there's occasionally that one thing that are like this is a remarkable find. Uh, I would have this insured for no less than four hundred thousand dollars. That's a rare. This is an original mint condition Charmander Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's four years old. <laughs> you get some, you like, bro, that's worth a lot of money. <laughs> is that in mint condition? Yeah, but I love it when this is a Benny baby. This is why Leah doesn't like watching them because. Every time that something that I find to be just like if it was in your house, it would just be junk. Yeah. It's like 
like uh, jade. You see a lot of jade come on there. Japanese jade, yeah. right? And it's cool. Bitch foxy hags. But yeah, bitch foxy hags. But it's just not fucking that cool. Yeah. If you're if you're in a home where you're displaying a bunch of jade dragons, mm. I, I honestly half expect to see samurai swords on the wall as well. It's like you're that asshole yeah. that has jade and samurai swords that you bought online just all over your house. Do you have a bed? Do you have a kimono tree? too? Yeah. Is that is, really? Yeah. Like do you go to bed in your kimono? Like what the fuck? Uh, but when they say like so you have a black leather sword. But jade is jade. It's expensive. Yeah. And they're always like this is wonderful. It's uh you know, 800 years old, it's, you, it, this particular maker made it, there's the maker's mark, it's, it's really a fine piece of jade. I would put this evaluation at roughly $60,000. And when the minute they say that to me, that's why Leah doesn't like, why I'm like, sold! Like, sold! Like, I, I'd sell, like a check for I will right sell, now. yeah, and that's what they would have to do, because they're dealing with appraisers yeah. who need to make their money. Yeah. So I immediately, if I ever had something that was worth a damn on that show. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I would I would expect this to go for about $65,000 at auction. The minute the camera shuts off, I'm like, I'll do 45. <laughs> you get 30%. And they're going to be done. Yeah. I wonder how often that happens. Yeah. Because a lot of people are crying, you know, this is my great-granddaddy's, and he, he lived with it through hard times. This, this was my great-grandmother's jade dildo. <laughs> Handed down through the generations. This was used to pleasure my great-grandmother. The truth is. Because my great-granddaddy was impotent. It, it wasn't even a dildo. It's just what she used as a dildo. And you find out now that it's not only the reason my great-grandmother was able to achieve orgasm, but it's also going to help me retire. It turns out she added the balls much later, but we took those off. My great-granddaddy couldn't get an erection. And they say for you know it, it helps a woman get impregnated if she also achieves orgasm. And I might only I might only be here today because of this Jay dildo. But this one to find out now that it's worth forty k. I'm gonna I mean, sell it. I'm gonna sell it. It's only to help someone else. I mean, I burnt through my lottery winnings, and I'm back in the trailer. And this money's gonna help me go a long way to get back to at least not in the trailer. <laughs> I, I I I cannot tell you. It's it's the the percentage is more than nine of ten. It's like yeah. nine point seven of ten. So like uh, there's nothing. I don't <laughs> even when they say like it has very much sentimental value. Yeah. My dad bought this during R and R in Vietnam mm-hmm. at Brink Cash Alley in Saigon. He, he carried this watch in his, in his ass. ass. I'm like I don't give a shit if he carried that motherfucking yeah. thing in his dick hole. Yeah. I I like sold. There's yeah. not because I mean at the end of the day it's just junk. Yeah. It's all I, like even the most. I've been to the Louvre. I walked in that place for four hours. Mm-hmm. Very interesting spot. Went at the right time. wasn't too crowded. I'm looking at most of this stuff, and they're like, "This is four thousand years old." And you're like, eh, "It's old." Like I, yeah. I wouldn't have that in my house. Yeah. I don't care how old that is. I really don't. Like, yeah. Someone does. That someone will pay me. Yeah. I don't need this shit. My favorite. And I'm not a minimalist. I want to. I want to preface that because because I, I tell people like, they're like. Because Leah always wants to get rid of shit. And I'm like, that's fine. Get rid of it. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Whatever you want to get rid of, get rid of I know. My, my active goal at our house, I tell Kristen this all the time, is that I want it to be shockingly easy to the people who volunteer to help us move one day when they come here and they go, you guys don't have that much. I'm like, yeah, it's because we got rid of almost all of it. Like, we'll, we'll need less than a U-Haul truck, a few volunteer SUVs, and we're moved. 
said, I want people to be blown away by how few things we have. I want as little clutter as possible. But I love kind of along the lines of what you're talking about. I love when you watch Pawn Stars and somebody's convinced they have something valuable and they get told, yeah, this is, this is a fucking toy. This is garbage. Nobody would ever pay you money for this. But on the flip side, I also love when the, the you know, Civil War historian comes in. He's like, I'd value this at $70,000. And then he leaves and they cut to Rick. And then after the Civil War dude leaves, it cuts to Rick. He's like, all right. What do you want for it? And the, the fucking dude with the... What's more money? $70,000. And, and then Rick... It's like, it's, it's like, have you watched the show, motherfucker? You know what Rick's going to say next. Like, Listen, man, like, I got I to gotta be able to sell this for seventy k. That's what it's valued at. I'll give you thirty. <laughs> and he's like, no, you heard him, seventy k. He's like, do you not understand how resale works? I realize you didn't know what this was worth when you came in, and now you do, and you get your dick all hard about it. But if you want me to buy it from you, I'm not buying it because I like it. I run a pawn shop. Well, I'm here to resell it to someone else. I have worked in a very, not a similar industry, but I, when I was an auto broker, Mm. that was our battle. Yeah. So, you know, they'd come to us because we tell you, we'll give you cash today for your car and you're out of it. And then they were like, fuck yeah. So they show up. And, you know, they filled out, we had kind of a pre-qualifying thing. They fill out the information and they get to the end and, you know, I'd call them, you know, talk about blah, 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 blah. You do the whole thing where you make a lot of noise, too. That was kind of a, 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 not a, it was a scheme. Fuck it. Uh, And you'd be like, how many miles are on it? Uh, uh, 95? Shit. You didn't say shit. You'd be like, "Mm, okay. What color is it? Beige? Ooh. I mean, you would just pound them down with these sound effects, right? And that was all a tactic yeah. that I was taught. Yeah. Well, the best is like, what? How many miles? Ooh, only only twenty-two. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> and it's in '69. Oh, damn. Would you say the exterior color was? Oh, oh, it's black. Is mint condition? Oh. <laughs> about, Collectors don't like mint what condition. About leather leather interior? Is it is it black leather? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. This is this is well, worse and worse. Anywho, to to <laughs> expand on the Pawn Stars thing, you say, well, how much do you want for it? And they were like, well, Kelly Blue Book says twenty four. And I'm like, okay, you understand that Kelly Blue Book is not an evaluation of your car. Yeah. That is what a dealer would sell it for. That's what they would have it yeah. sticker priced on the lot for. It's mm-hmm. not what your car is worth. So if you're stuck on that Kelly Blue Book, we're not getting anywhere right now. Because yeah. you need to understand. I'm not buying your Tahoe, <laughs> shipping it to Georgia, and putting car seats in it, yeah. and having my everyday driver be your old Tahoe. Yeah. I'm a broker. I sell your car. Mm. So let, so we, we knew, we had all the metrics. We had a, a program in place with this Mannheim stuff, and we knew exactly, we could get really close to knowing exactly what we could sell that car at auction for. Mm-hmm. At auction! To wholesalers, yeah. to dealers, who are then going to mark it up to that Kelly Bluebird price. Yeah. So it was just, I'm, I'll never forget, I had this woman, Fama Brown, selling this 2016 or 15 Dodge Challenger, brand new. It had, she told me, I said, what's the mileage? She said, 480. And I said, fuck! <laughs> no, she said, no, honey, 480 miles. Mm. My, my shit-ass ex-husband bought this thing. It's just been sitting. I don't drive this piece of shit. I was like, okay. So I look at MMR. MMR says I'm probably going to be able to sell this thing for sixteen thousand. I said, how much do you want? How much you want for it? Famous Kelly Blue Book says twenty four. I said, well, I'm not. We're not. We are a mile miles away 
from I told her the thing. This is what we do. This is not how I can't. I'm not buying your car to drive it. That's the end user price. I That's said, the price I said, you sell it for if I'm going to drive so it. So hear me out on this. This was one of my biggest wins in that in that when I was working in that company. She said, Well, what will you pay for it? And I said, Okay, well you were at twenty four, I'm at twelve. I pulled a full rick on her. Because I figured, <laughs> you know, if I get it at twelve, I sell it at sixteen, I make a thousand dollars. Right? Fifteen minutes of work. Yeah. Thousand bucks. So, but when I had done that for long enough time to know that when someone has 24 on their mind and I come back at them with half that, you're in a tough spot. Yeah. You're probably not going to get the car. So I said, I'm at 12. But actually what I had done is say, so I would send the car to our pricing manager. It was just the owner of the company. We always said the pricing team, another gag. <laughs> I'll tell you what, give me pictures. I'll send this off to the pricing team. They'll get back to me with the price. It was just one guy in an office. Uh, the, Stick with 12. The Italian guy that I've told you about. Yeah. Oh, fuck, bro. She's got an Obama sticker. Knock another thousand off that shit. Anyways, so he had said oh, I could, so I could so offer so 12. I had forgotten this aspect of it. So I had a 12,000 up to that I could offer. But I had learned, you know, he might have said 12, but why not start at 10? Yeah. Make your margins a little bit better. So I was like, hey, you have to understand, I, I'm... Not I'm I'm not sell I'm I'm wholesaling this car. Yeah, I'm not buying it to drive. I'm right. buying it to sell to someone. To else. sell to someone else. Yeah. And she was like, "So what do you offer?" And I was like, "Well, Blue Book isn't even 24. I just looked it up. You're looking at more like 19. Yours isn't even though it's got low mileage. It's not in perfect condition. It's also in Arkansas, a place where there's not many places I can sell that car. Mm-hmm. I'm at 10. So I left myself two grand to kind of be like, oh, if she had buttressed back, I would say, okay, I can help you. I'll do 11, 5. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when I said, I'll do 10, she said, okay, I'll do it. Where I need to go? I said, I, I, ne- I remember I had to mute the phone. <laughs> like fucking Jordan Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? So I turned mute off, and I was like, here's what we're going to do. Here's the process. I'm going to put you on the phone with somebody else. We'll be right back in touch with you. Put phone like, ah! I start screaming. She gets down. So we, we told her, you have to take us to one of our local area dealers. It was just an auction. They never understood that. They were like, yeah. they thought that this was all us. But we were having them, dr- <laughs> the best thing in the world. They said, I'll tell you what, you can get your money faster if you drive it to our auction rather than having us come pick it up, mm-hmm. which would have cost us money because now we're using a, you know, someone to move the car. Yeah. So she's like, I'll drive it. Okay. So I said, I need to see a picture of your ID, and I need to see a picture of the clean title. I get the picture of the title. Looks great. Paid for out mm-hmm. full and clear, which is so rare for a brand new car with 480 miles. Yeah. <laughs> which means the ex-husband paid cash for this motherfucker and put it in the wife's name before they got divorced. What an idiot. <laughs> but anyways, she sent then I get the ID photo and I had to just stop the clock. I had this buddy used to work and I was like, Brian, come here. Look at who been, look at who I've been talking to for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> FEMA was 410 pounds and had that listed on her ID. <laughs> And was, I mean, when, when I say a full 410, I mean, like, she's only, I mean, basically she looked like that TV show, My 600-Pound Life. You mean she was listing 410, probably pushing 450. Easy. And I said, I said this thing's going to have frame damage. <laughs> if she gets in this car, they're going to get to auction for an inspection, and it's going to have fucking frame damage, like it's been in a wreck. Yeah. Because she's 450 pounds, easy. So I have her drive over there, inspection comes back clean and clear, like, barely anybody's been in this car it looks ridiculous, clean as fuck. Mm-hmm. She calls me. She, I'll never forget. Hey, that's a high step. <laughs> Seriously, that's how long the brakes were. It's like, family? Yeah, hold on. 
<sighs> There's no waiting room. <laughs> I got my mama in the other car. I was like, go sit with your mom. They're doing the inspection. It'll be done in 15 minutes, yada, yada, yada. She said, when do I get paid? I said, as soon as the inspection comes back, we're going to wire that right into your account. There's no check. You can check your bank account. You'll see the money you drive away. Done and done. Mm. Everything works out as expected. We get paid. Never hear from her again. I got the car at 10. It sold for 19. It was one of the largest commissions I ever got when I worked there. I got 25% of 9,000. Don't do math. I guess that's roughly 2,200. We're only good at science here. Right, 2,200 bucks or something. And I just remember being like, for 45 minutes of work, I made $2,200 and got to see the greatest <laughs> driver's license photo ever. And it just goes back to what you were saying. People's expectation of what they own being worth yeah. something. Yeah. And it's just not. It just really isn't. Nothing you own. I, look, let's go weird with it. Nothing is worth anything in reality. Well, money's not worth anything. It, it, fucking nothing. It's, it's not even back the minute. Standard the, anymore. Well, that's no, yeah. It's been a long time. But think about it, like we have this money, and the only thing that makes that twenty dollar bill worth twenty dollars. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, if you, that even, you and I agree that it's worth yeah, twenty dollars. This is worth twenty bucks. Our whole fucking system's weird. Like, the, yeah. I just wonder, like. When coins were introduced, right, in the early culture, in the early cultures, when, when, when worth was based on I have X amount of food, mm-hmm. I need X amount of clothing, like that seems reasonable. Yeah. I have this amount of corn, I need this amount of Cotton. medicine. Yeah. Right. Fair trade. You need food. I need medicine. Yeah. Where the fuck are we? Like, when they introduced coins, were people like what? the fuck is this? No, no, no. See, these coins <laughs> represent 120 of medicine. 120 of what? Of I medicine. We, I thought we had universal health care. <laughs> we have to save sex because I've been holding back a pee for like nine minutes. This is fine. I, uh, I once drank a... Are you familiar with Sam Smith's or Samuel Smith's? Mm-hmm. They do that oatmeal stout and they have a couple That's of... That's the I, uh, I was at my friend Mike's house. I don't even think I was 21. I was just way off topic from where we left off, but you're drinking a three-year-old beer, so <laughs> it came to mind. Uh, and we'll figure out a way to tie this into L.A. Confidential. Mm. I was watching it while you were in the bagno, and part of me was wondering if it was hard for Kevin Spacey to keep his horny gay hands off of Guy Pierce during the filming of this movie. Because <laughs> if there's an actor I might go gay for, it could be Guy Pierce. Really? Just saying. Anyways. Mine's Luke Perry. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing the wave. What you can't see is we're doing the eight second wave with our hands. Uh, but anyways, my buddy Mike's stepdad, Derek, he came home to Mike's house one night. I practically lived at Mike's house the last two years of high school and then even after. <laughs> the beer might be a beer you don't like. It might also be spoiled. The beer's fine. <laughs> It's, I, this is exactly what it tasted like the day it went into the can. This is just garbage. Yeah, high lie. High lie. That's a special kind of IPA. Uh, but I forget, Derek came to Mike's house one night, and he had, he had boxes of beer that he got from some bar that was going out of business, and he knew the owner, and he just went by there to check in on him and see how he was doing and you know, offer condolences for the bar going out of business, and he sent him home with boxes of just random beers. And so that weekend they had a big party because there was all this beer. And eventually we came to find out that this beer was not only old, it had been refrigerated and then stored. And then refrigerated and then stored. 
It had been cold, made cold, and then room temperatured repeatedly. Sure. So this beer, over the course of probably a year, slowly spoiled because they just kept fucking with the temperature through these transitional periods at the bar. So by the time we're drinking it, it's not good. And I probably had 11. Mm. And I'll never forget, it was the oatmeal stout that finally turned, and I just hugged that toilet bowl and puked my brains out. Yeah, that wasn't even alcohol poisoning. That was just literal poisoning. <laughs> it was so bad. I, like, to this day, like, you ever had Samuel Smith's oatmeal stout? Like, fuck you. Yeah, and I fuck have, that beer. and I'll never do it again. That was one of those nights where Mike, like, literally, like a, like a best girlfriend, like, held my hair. And, like, I slept on their couch, and he slept on the floor to make sure I was alive in the morning. Like, it was brutal. That's I a had, nice move. I had too much beer for a 19-year-old. Well, you know, I'll be, I'll be fair there. It I, was, wasn't all old beer, but the last two or three I had was that just beyond expired beer. I don't want to change too much. I do want to change the subject. Yeah, talk about Kim Basinger? No. Okay. I, are you a follower of where I work? On um, what? Uh, FB. No. Follow and enjoy this post. Because <laughs> I know, I know that you're one of the better trolls I've ever met. And yeah. it's not even trolling, it's just pointing out the obvious to people who are trolling. Yeah. And putting them in their place. Well, I'm, I, I'm petty fast. I'm going, and I love, oh, I love petty. <laughs> I really need to get in control of that in my life. Jobless cunt. And I know he, I think he had blocked me, so he wasn't seeing those, maybe. I know, I know. But I, I love that I could see his, yeah. and I could just keep going. Because I had just decided, like, it took you a minute, well, it took you long, many years to get there before you unleashed the big one and yeah. cut it off. Yeah, but, no, I egged him on. Instead of giving, doing a, a hard 24 hours, I let him do the, the year. Yeah. <laughs> I had had enough and yeah. was like, I'm listening. This guy is over here trying to preach and tell people how to live. You don't even have a fucking job. You're like in, in your- Trump's economy, which is booming. <laughs> and you don't have a fucking job. You can't even keep a fucking job at Home Depot because you're a fucking insufferable prick. It's no wonder you've been let go so many times. I guarantee you, no one could stand to be in the same room with you for more than a couple of fucking hours because of your use of the word at homonym. <laughs> Fucking cunt. I do wonder, like, if if there's other people in the world that we haven't met because they didn't they didn't engage with Tarver. They didn't re- no. If they didn't engage with Tarver on the social media, they they actually had to deal with him in real life, mm-hmm. and they're like they call him Retarv. <laughs> like I just kind of envision that not being that much of a long shot. Yeah. Like someone in an old job was like, Jesus, do you remember that Retarv idiot we had? The minute he said ad hominem in a meeting, I knew we had to get rid of this fucking clown. He's all wordy, and he was pontificating all the time. Then you come to find out he's not actually educated or employed at all. <laughs> or even working the fast food line at our fucking restaurant. When this motherfucker talked to people in the carpool line, you would have thought he was a Rhodes Scholar. He's just serving fucking french fries. It's like, why don't you apply some of this lofty knowledge and go get yourself a real job? Oh, wait, you can't because no one wants to be around you because you're an insufferable prick. I was de- I definitely, that last string before you cut him off, I definitely knew I was, I mean, I was like, it's one of those things where you know that your petty level's on a thousand, and you know that, like, if someone outside of the context of the situation was reading, they would think I'm the prick. Yeah. But you always just say, I don't give a fuck. And I just unleashed it. I was like, you jobless fucking cunt. 
I wish I could take you seriously right now, but I can't because you literally are a waste on society. You're defending a, <laughs> you're defending a politician and a political ideology. That's fucking you. That's fucking you. <laughs> It makes no sense. You, you and are, you're doing it with an attitude. <laughs> a pompous, self-entitled fucking idiot idiocracy that just blew my fucking mind about Tarver. Because for a while, it was just entertaining. Yeah. But after a bit, you're just like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? On Anyhow. so many levels. Anyways, he's probably still out there looking for that perfect job where people can tolerate his bullshit. And, you know, the Trump White House is... Probably looking for staff. Yeah. So. For sure they're retard, but I'll find it. Go hug the flag like a retard. <laughs> you good job. I think that's one of the things I'll take away from tonight. He, it, of mice and men. That's exactly who Trump is. The big, I loved America. I love America hard. so much. I hugged the flag. When, uh, he, when uh, he hugs it with that little shit smirk grin, that's what frustrates me the I most. He probably did, but what frustrates me the most is that. You know, I don't think he's a very smart man, but I do think he's smart enough to know mm, these idiots are watching me hug this flag and they're coming in their pants doing it, and this is winning me something. I don't know what it's winning me. Yeah. Just adoration from my base. That's well, yeah, about that, it. That sort of that debunked, uh, that debunked story about how he said when he was a registered Democrat that if he ever ran for president, he'd run as he'd run as Republican because they'd be stupid enough to vote for him. Oh, I know that's and not then, true. And then they debunked that and proved it wasn't true. When he was hugging that flag, that's exactly what he was thinking. <laughs> These dumb assholes are dumb enough to think that I actually believe what I'm doing right now. I'm only hugging this because by violating and literally raping this country, <laughs> I'm adding to my own personal wealth. And the only reason I'm buddying up to Kim Jong-un is so I have somewhere to go when I finally get caught. <laughs> He's got a few places. He's got Russia, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, he's, he's, he's friends with three nations that if Barack Obama had even winked at, <laughs> John Hannity would have gone, unpatriotic, anti-American motherfucker. John Hannity would have said motherfucker on Fox News. Trump does, he's like, oh, this is a great day for America. He's befriending all of our enemies. <laughs> it's so good that we're finally... I mean, I'm, I'm honestly waiting on Trump to go, you know what? Fuck Israel. <laughs> and just waiting to see what Sean Hannity does. Like He'll turn what, that. What, what's he, he going to do? Is he... And then Sean Hannity, like, pauses like, yes, Mr. President. Fuck Israel. Fuck Israel. I'm pro-Palestine, too. Like, the fuck? Are the Democrats now going to be pro-Israel? How does that work? Oh, boy. That will be fun. Yeah, Anywho. When, he, when he went to that summit, I was like, I think he's just buddying up with this guy, so he has somewhere to hide when he eventually gets in some real trouble. I, I, if that's, it's not true. But if it is, I like the sound of it. The fact that old DT would have to be in North Korea with little to no power. <laughs> I, I, and I don't mean like power in the sense of like control. I mean like no power. That's why. He's, <laughs> that's why he's fighting out the economy. Trump needs the North Korean economy to get just good enough for one McDonald's. <laughs> And then when he ultimately gets caught with some really he needs, heavy he shit, needs cable. he can flee. He's not going to have the internet, but he'll be okay. He'll have <laughs> McDonald's and he'll be best friends with the country's leader. <laughs> and that's all you need. Well, anyway, we'll wrap this one up with that. Our little usual diatribe, because we now live in the fucking twilight zone. But any, nonetheless, 
Fed Cohen interview was great. We we don't need to go back into that. We've touched on it enough. <laughs> WFUCK! Oh, bam! 97.5! Coming up next, we got... Traffic and weather. We've got sports with Skip, Skip Madaver. Madaver. We haven't heard from Skip Madaver on the actual <clears> show <throat> in quite some time. We need to get uh, Jamie Skip Madaver on the radio. <laughs> We've got sports... With Skip and Ever, we've got the Hollywood Report with, with that, producer Beck, Burger King loving moron Sean, <laughs> the one who doesn't even listen, the one who would choose twenty four dicks in twenty four hours. What a cunt! What a cunt! <laughs> All you have to know is Whopper over Big Mac. He goes Whopper. What a stupid bitch! Why, why, why? What kind of ladies underwear are you wearing today? We already talked about it. It's in those pink Fat Tuesday Mardi Gras numbers. Mardi Gras underwear. Producer Burger's gonna have to flash some dong to get some beads. <laughs> some dong for the bar. <laughs> Alright, folks, stay tuned. Anyways, we got coming up next. We've got Daughtry! <laughs> Not for real, man to feel! Garth Brooks are coming up after that. It's 1990 country music night. Coming up next, we've got Chris Gaines! <laughs> I don't know any of I don't know. It rains and it shows. I don't know, that's like the one song. Hey, fuck it, wrap it up. Yeah, I'm going to have to apologize, folks. Golden Voice does not know any Chris Gaines songs. <laughs> Who the fuck does? Holla. <laughs> <laughs>